<laughs> yes, and he's like, yes, considerably. <laughs> Gold Diamonds and Death, a James Bond podcast. I am your double O host, Jonathan Watkins. I am a writer for all things under the CinemaSense brand name, co-host of the Behind the Sense podcast, and joining me each and every week for this endeavor, co-founder of CinemaSense and co-host of the weekly podcast, Recotopia. And oddly enough, his poker tell is that he bleeds profusely from one eye. So, sorry yeah, I gave that I have, away. I've that had, was really I've shitty. Had, well, no, I've had to stop <laughs> playing poker because of it. I can't can't uh, keep anything secret anymore. <laughs> I actually, I actually have questions about that. By the about that tell, by the way, in the movie, uh, when we get to mm-hmm. that, I got, hope I remember to mention that. But he's also he's also one of my uh, very very good friends, Chris Atkinson. How are you doing, sir? Doing all right. Doing quite well. Are you excited to start talking about? Uh, I guess the current Bond, technically, even though I guess he's done now, but is the most current yeah. Bond we know. Hmm. Yeah, Although, I am what, excited about this. Yeah. By the time this episode airs, though, <laughs> there might be a bond. <laughs> there might be. There I don't might know if be. they're going to announce it this year or not. Uh, yeah, it would be. I mean, the way they move, you would think that they would have. Uh, they would have it to cast. Yeah, uh, by it's usually this year. about a about two about a year or two later, and so mm-hmm. we're getting kind of near that like two year mark. I get confused yeah. though because of the whole COVID thing. Because I mean, you know, obviously, No Time to Die was supposed to come out. 18 months before it did or whatever it was but i mean they've had plenty of time though that's the thing yeah the movie that no time to die came out in 2021 it was supposed to come out in 2020 Mm -hmm. and they knew that was the last one with daniel Mm -hmm. craig so like they've had plenty of time yeah (laughs) they knew that was the last i was thinking for a second wait maybe they didn't i was like oh no i remember the ending now they absolutely knew oh yeah he got he got bombed on an island unless they want to just like you know say he survived that which i guess they could that's, a, that's their prerogative. I, by the way, I mean, we'll talk about Craig, obviously. I have never been more interested in what they're going to do, though, because it's like, you know, are they just going to go back to Young Bond again? <laughs> or, yeah. And, like, build it up again? Like, that doesn't seem, I don't know, it's just interesting to me. This, I know, this, the, the latest rumor is that it's uh, going to be somebody in their 30s and not famous. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that's what I hear. Uh, with Aaron Taylor Johnson, like I, it's like I keep hearing these names, and all of them, I'm just like, that's fine. Like, sure. Yeah, like, cause I, sure. I've just gotten to that point where they do a good job usually of picking mm-hmm. somebody. Uh, and we'll talk about the reactions to Craig because Casino Royale, by the way, is what we're talking about today, and uh, this is from two, the 2006 Casino Royale, mm-hmm. um, and you know, this might have been one of the first things I remember. Well, that's not true because the Star Wars prequel is probably, I don't know. This is one of the first things I remember where I like saw like the social media onslaught of people being really pissed about somebody Mm -hmm. being cast to play a franchise character. Yeah. And over the dumbest shit. Yeah. uh, That he was blonde blonde hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was, that was the big thing. I even read like Barbara Broccoli basically said that same thing. She said she was seeing those things pop up and she'd be she was just like really like this is Mm -hmm. what like they're Mm -hmm. worried about yeah Uh, anyways so it's it's 
going to be interesting. But I'm always just like whoever they say. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'll watch Aaron Taylor Johnson. Sounds good. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care. Uh, you know, Logan Lerman. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? Why not? <laughs> I don't know that Logan Lerman has been mentioned. I might have just made that up. But uh, it seems like it seems like every time I get on a podcast, somebody mentions Logan Lerman for something, <laughs> that's and it's probably like, why he was in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, why not? Logan Lerman, sure. Yeah. And for for people that don't know this, it's very possible that uh, Jeremy Scott, the voice of Cinema Sins, is the biggest Logan Lerman fan that exists. It is very it might possible. Be. Might be. Possible. That dude, yeah. that dude loves some some Logan Lerman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just watches Percy Jackson on a loop. On repeat. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, so let's just. I guess we're going to jump into this. This is 2006's Casino Royale. I would. I'm. I don't know at this point what our like average age is that listens to this podcast i'm gonna guess based on like the cinema audience and stuff this is a lot of people's bond that you mm-hmm. know uh that that we know that listen to us and, and watch our videos and stuff um yeah so uh i'm really excited to get into these i'm revisiting it not this one but there's a couple of these i have i know i've only seen once so Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be fun to go back and kind of look at this. And also these are ones that are more fresh in my mind as how I felt when they came out. So I know we're going to get a lot more. Uh, we can talk about that kind of stuff a lot more too. All right. So here we go. We're going to go to our first segment, which is a segment we like to call Eon Flux. This is a journey. I'm going to make a movie. We have to go back, Kate. Wow. How did you know all that stuff? I did my research. I don't understand any of this. What the fuck is going on? We are going to scour through the history of Eon Productions and give you all the highs and lows that went into the makings of these films. So, Die Another Day was the last Bond film. It was released in 2002. It was... I mean, I think if you factor in like uh, inflation and stuff, it's not, but, but it was a huge hit. It was, if not the biggest Bond film, it was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. And so they were coming off a huge hit. Even though it was a big hit, it wasn't well-received. Critically, uh, a lot of people complained about like the CGI and uh, all the stuff we yep. talked about in last week's episode. So uh, please, if you haven't listened to that, please go listen to that. And we, we get into a lot of that. So that's kind of where they were at. And then, you know, four years later, we get Casino Royale. So we'll talk about what kind of happened in between those years. Uh, I'll get the release info out of the way. This is the 21st Bond film in the franchise, in the official franchise. It's the third screen adaptation of the 1953 novel Casino Royale. Uh, the first one we didn't talk about because we did, we did talk about it, I think, on the Casino Royale episode. We have done an episode on the 1967 Casino Royale. Uh, which is not in the official franchise. So if you want to hear about that, you can go back and listen to that. I believe in that episode, or maybe in the first episode, we talked about that in the in a in the 50s, there was a TV show called Climax. It was an anthology series. And the second episode, it was an anthology series where they adapted uh, different novels and stuff. And the second episode was uh, episode was based on Casino Royale. Uh, you mm-hmm. can find that. It's pretty easy to find like on YouTube or whatever if you want to watch it. I don't highly recommend it unless you're just a completist, but it is there. Who is it that played? Yeah, uh, Barry Nelson played James Bond in the Climax episode. Peter Lorre played Le Chiffre. Is it Le Chiffre or Le Chiffre? It's Le Chiffre. Like it, it, in in French, you're you're probably giving that R like a little bit of something at the end, but yeah, for for the most of us, I mean, it's it's going to sound like le chiffre, but yeah, there's like yeah. probably to to only French ears only. There's a little R sound that they put in probably yeah. that you they that they can hear, but we can't. 
but like oh, it's, gotcha. yeah, it's La Chief. La Chief. So that was Peter Lorre. And then of course there was the, the 1967 one, which we did a whole episode on. It was a comedy. It was a, like a, I, I kind of a parody, I guess it was, but it was a comedy mm. uh, more than anything else. It, it, it loosely adapted the novel, which we actually will talk about the novel uh, a little later since this one's actually based on a book. And uh, David Niven's in it, Peter Sellers, Woody Allen. Got a great like 1960s cast, and it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's okay. It's not it's not as bad as its reputation. It's not very good, but it's also not as bad as its reputation. Yeah, it's got moments in it. It absolutely does. I mean, David Niven, you're you're gonna have moments if you got David Niven and Peter Sellers in the 60s mm-hmm. uh, doing doing their thing. Uh, this one though, this is so this is a third adaptation of it, uh, and we'll talk about also when we get into the production about how they because they didn't have the rights to this for the longest time, and so they had to get them back, which I actually did not know what they traded until now, but we'll get into that mm-hmm. in a second. It's premiered at the uh, Odeon uh, Leicester Square uh, on November 14th, 20, uh, 2006. Is it Leicester Square? I think Leicester it's Square. Leicester. Sorry. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's just got that. It's got like that EIC in it. So I get confused. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're correct. Uh, I'm glad you're on here to correct my horrible grammar. It was released wide in the UK on the 16th of November. So two days later. And then we got it a day after that on November 17th. Uh, it would become the first Bond film to be shown in mainland Chinese cinemas. Hmm. Um, there were some edits they had to make, though. Uh, they redubbed a reference to the Cold War. And then they somehow added dialogue in the poker scene where it to- it explained the rules of, of Hold'em because okay. that wasn't something yeah. that they That knew. wasn't the game uh, in Casino Royale. It was, wasn't it, was it, was it a stud? It was Baccarat or was it? in the book, yeah. It was Baccarat. Okay, so they didn't play yeah. card game. I mean, they Baccarat's a card game, but they yeah. didn't play a poker game. No, it was no kind of poker. It was just Baccarat. Yeah. And, uh, and there actually is in the book, there's a long, like, explanation of how you play that game. So it was very, I assume it was something very similar to that. Mm-hmm. On a budget of 150 million, uh, it had a worldwide gross of 616 million. So this was a hit. Uh, oh yeah, 100, 167 was U.S., uh, which you know, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, biggest biggest bond financially until Skyfall. So mm-hmm. it'll get beat like in four years or five years or whatever. But two movies. That year at the box office, though, that was a lot of like huge animated films that year. You had Ice Age, The Meltdown, you had Cars, mm-hmm. and Happy Feet. Happy Feet actually finished, I think, yeah, uh, Bond finished ninth. Uh, Casino Royale Bond. The movie is called Bond. Uh, Casino Royale finished ninth at the box office, and it was in between, oh no, it was in between Ice Age, The Meltdown, and The Pursuit of Happiness. It opened mm-hmm. up the same weekend as Happy Feet. And so it finished number two that weekend because Happy mm-hmm. Feet actually was a surprise hit. Yeah. Uh, that's George Miller too, right? Mad Max? Yep. And, God, it's crazy. Yep. Because <laughs> there are two George Millers. There, yeah, there's the George the Miller who did like Zeus and Roxanne. It's the same guy. He And he produced yeah. Babe and then directed Babe, Pig in the City as well. Yeah, he did George that one Miller. too. That's right. That's right. So you had those two in Cars. Uh, also, that was the year of... Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. I think that was the first sequel. Uh, Night at the Museum. A lot of, a lot of big, a lot of big films. Superman Returns was that year. That was also in the top mm-hmm. ten. Okay, so like we said, Casino Royale had been adapted twice. Uh, MGM did not own the rights to it uh, anymore. Uh, at this point, Sony did. 
I don't know exactly how Sony had the rights. I don't know what they were before. I don't know. Anyway, somehow Sony had the rights. For for Casino Royale? Okay, so the story that the only thing that I saw on this Casino Royale yeah. disc was a the road to making Casino Royale or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the producer, Charles Feldman is the guy. Yes. Um, and so he had the rights to Casino Royale and, uh, I think it was, he got, he was, it was sold to him by somebody else. I think you did the original, like the TV show one or whatever. Yeah, I think so. We, we probably talked a little bit about this, but not, not this much detail. So sold to him. And then there was also the issue with Thunderball going on at the time. Yes. Which is still so, an issue. Yeah, still an issue, but uh, there was there was there were they wanted to make they wanted to make Casino Royale, mm-hmm. but the problem was there was a lot of stuff going on with Thunderball as well. And first approached Charles Feldman about Casino Royale, and that fell through for whatever reason, and I can't remember why. Um, I think it's because he actually asked for he asked for too much. It's basically what it comes down to. He yeah. asked for too much, or he asked for too much part, uh, too much percentage of the box office if they made it. Uh, one of those things had something to do with money. They didn't want to negotiate with uh, whoever. Who's the Thunderball guy? Who's the guy that we always talk about? Uh, let me look that up real quick. And when I say Thunderball is not figured out, it as of 2006, that was still an issue is what I meant, not as of uh, 2020. Yeah, Kevin McClory is the guy. So Kevin yes. McClory is the guy that... They, so they didn't want to negotiate with him because Ian mm-hmm. Fleming had just died. and Well, actually, Ian, Ian, Ian Fleming was still alive at the time that, that this was going on. Yes. They didn't want to negotiate with him because he and Ian Fleming had, a, you know, obviously a big falling out over Thunderball. Then Ian Fleming died, and then they said, the, so Broccoli and Salzman went and said, okay, <laughs> now we can negotiate with McClory about mm-hmm. Thunderball and all this. So they they just abandoned Casino Royale, and the and Charles Fleischman, Charles Fleischman, Charles Feldman, <laughs> um, ended up. Uh, saying, all right, well, I'm just going to make my own Casino Royale, but it's not going to have Bond in it, basically, is what it comes down to. Yeah. And he made this movie called What's New Pussycat beforehand, mm-hmm. had his, all, all these people that ended up being in this Casino Royale. Um, so I don't know where Sony factors into this. I think Sony bought out some of the stuff. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's my, what my theory was. I couldn't find anything specific, but yeah. But from what I understand, when it got to this point, Sony traded off no or the what was the trade off was Spider Man I yeah think? MGM owned the rights to Spider Man yes okay so there you go <laughs> so yeah. so that was the trade off that they got yeah. this that they got this going on so and and the um, Spider Man thing is so fucking weird too because they had been trying to make a Spider Man movie since like the eighties like I mean, James Cameron was attached at one point to one and then like there for a while it was going to be a canon film like the canon uh, studios uh, mm. to- Toby Hooper was going to direct it Marvel had so much going on financially they were just like selling off stuff left and right and. Yeah, I don't know. That's a crazy story. I don't know if anybody's actually written like a book on all that or not yet. But God, that would be awesome. the the story The story of all this would make a pretty good movie. I think. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. The, the, from what I could tell, what they were talking about yeah. uh, as far as how the rights were, you well, know, were changing hands and everything. And then also, I also read where Sony essentially like I don't know if they um, 
I don't know if they just outright bought MGM, but they were involved in that as well, where they were one of the people that was going to acquire part of MGM. So that factored in also. Uh, it's yeah. it's wild. So they got the rights to Casino Royale, not not Thunderball, but they got the rights to Casino Royale. So they still can't say Spectre. No, nope. uh, they still can't say Blofeld. I was mm-hmm. God. I I really wish they could have said Smirsh. I wish they just brought in Smirsh. That would have been hilarious. Right. <laughs> Which is funny because because they have I have no idea that they're going to be able to get Spectre into this series of Bond films. So they have this this whatever they're calling the the uh, what are they calling the uh, Mr. White is that guy? They're That's calling the only, it something else though. There's some other organization they're calling it. Maybe they start oh. calling it in Quantum of Solace. But they're not calling it Spectre anyway. No, no. And then, and then, and then they sort of like just tie it in towards the end. Well, this was Spectre all along, you yeah, know. Yeah, which is which is, and we'll talk about that when we get to Spectre. But I think that's <laughs> part of why Spectre has some issues. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but oh, by the way, and I just threw Smirsh out there. If somebody hadn't listened to our earlier episode, Smirsh was basically it was like the solely Russian version of Spectre in the novels. Until mm-hmm. uh, Spectre became a thing in the movies, and then Spectre started, then Ian Fleming started using that for the novels as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Smirsh, which, and I guess that's partly why they didn't use that either, because I guess they really didn't feel like in 2006 they could make the Russians the uh, the no. bad guys or whatever. Maybe that factored in, but you could have just said it was more than Russians. You didn't you have can to do say it that. now if they want. Mm. Yeah, hell yeah. Maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe the next movie is going to be called Smirsh. Yeah, yeah. You can only dream. I'm going to go ahead and read this part. I don't know if you want, you can cut some of it out no, if you want. It. I was reading some Please. of the article here just so that there's some clarification on all of this because there's so much going on here, but correct. Coincidentally or otherwise, Spider-Man wasn't the only iconic character Columbia and MGM were locking horns over around the turn of the millennium. MGM had been distributing the James Bond franchise since 1981, but Columbia had purchased the McClory elements of the Bond franchise mm-hmm. and were planning another unofficial 007 adventure in the mold of 1967's Casino Royale and Never Say Never Again. Neither studio was especially thrilled with the idea of their big blockbusters facing direct competition, so a deal was struck whereby MGM could keep releasing their James Bond films without a, without another Thunderball-based rival, while Columbia scored the sole rights to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then just covering it, I don't know if this is going to be, it needs to be, needs to stay, but I'll just continue reading a little bit of it. This is coming from Screen Rant. With the courtroom shenanigans finally resolved, Spider-Man's decades-long stint in development hell came to an end when Sam Raimi was hired to direct Tobey Maguire in Peter Parker's 2002 big screen debut. Expanding into a trilogy, the Spider-Man film set the standard for superhero cinema, garnered massive box office, were critically lauded. But without the intervention of Bond, would history have transpired differently? Um, without the cinematic leverage of 007 on their side, Columbia might not have convinced MGM to drop their Spider-Man case. This likely would have resulted in either both studios releasing their own movie iterations of the Marvel superhero, greatly diminishing the impact of both, or more likely, Spidey would have ended up back in court for years, more legal back mm-hmm. and forth. Uh, both scenarios would would have stood in the way of Raimi's Spider-Man and had the 2002 effort not released when it did, the entire superhero boom that preceded the MCU and Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy might have never happened. For Bond's part, the secret agent's future probably would, wouldn't have suffered as greatly. The Eon films had already seen seen off competition before and lived to tell the tale after all uh so yeah i mean so that's part of it there there's still some some things even in this article that you know there's you don't have all the all the moving parts put together but that's basically 
but yeah, that's right. I forgot about that too. Spider-Man, that was part of the issue with Spider-Man was that one Marvel had sold so much stuff at different people that they didn't even know who owned the rights to what. So, mm-hmm. um, I still think it's funny. And, and I understand Spider-Man was an, ins- it was a huge hit in 2002, but it's still yeah. funny. Those things never mentioned like blade and X-Men, which yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I mean there was no telling what what was going to be huge back then. Yeah. And back and like a lot of the what a lot of the comic book adaptations in the '90s weren't like. I mean, they weren't like. I mean, except for Batman, I don't think there wasn't much, was there? That was doing well in the oh, '90s. Oh no, no, not that was doing really. I mean, I mean, Blade did okay. The only reason I mentioned Blade is I think Blade is a good starting point to see what. Oh, I see what you're saying. What the more modern comic book movie would become. And then especially X-Men, because there's that line in X-Men where Wolverine's like complaining about the uniforms and all, or the, you know, the uniform. And it's kind of one of those things that just kind of became like, I don't know, kind of almost like a, a, it was like that darker, you know, edge, I guess. I I don't know. Yeah, for Uh, sure. X-Men and X2 for and like both of yeah. those were like huge uh for but then spider-man movie. was like a whole other thing like it was just yeah 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 i mean it was you know it was insane um but yeah no 90s no i mean it was like stuff like steel and spawn so and, if you're mgm so. and you're and you've got the rights to spider-man you're probably looking at the returns on a lot of the stuff and you're like who's who's gonna make a big yeah. buck out of yeah. this so you know sure sell it to sony why not and yeah. get out of some debts while we're at it. Yeah, it's. A, I love stuff like that, though. I love seeing like you know we might not we might not have ever had this movie if it wasn't for like this random movie back here. Yeah. It's just weird. I love that. Right. Stuff. So in 2004, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade are brought back on uh, to kind mm-hmm. of iron out a, a draft for what that whatever they're going to do. Uh, at the time, too, they were told they were still writing a movie for Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a couple of different stories about the whole Pierce Brosnan thing, which I might talk about that. When we talk about the cast. Quentin Tarantino's name comes up again because uh, we've mentioned him a few times, like just in the last, like through the 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. He had report, but this one seemed a little more legit. Like he actually went, he apparently actually went and talked to uh, like the Fleming family, like their, you know, whoever was, you know, had the, I don't know, whatever that was, the, the people estate. that were still alive. Yeah, the estate. That's what I was trying to think of. Thank you. And he had even talked to them because I don't think he knew exactly what was going on with Casino Royale either at that time. And so he wanted to do an adaptation of Casino Royale. Uh, Broccoli was not interested at all. Like she was just like, no, I'm good. Uh, He wanted Mm -hmm. it to set it in the 60s, but it still would have had Pierce Brosnan. So I don't know what that was Mm -hmm. about. But yeah, uh, it's Tarantino being Tarantino. Yep. Uh, Tarantino does, though, in true Tarantino fashion. He takes the credit for the fact that they did end up making the next Bond movie because you know, <laughs> uh huh, right? <laughs> that uh. fucking guy, <laughs> and we still love him. Like it's crazy, yeah, but he's so fucking talented, man. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they bring Martin Campbell back in. Now we we mentioned that I think one of us talked about this, or maybe both of us, when we were doing the GoldenEye episode, mm-hmm. was that it was interesting that Campbell does the first Brosnan. Uh, and now he's doing the first uh, uh, Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe that would actually have some bearing on why he was hired. It apparently did not. Uh, they had been trying to get mm-hmm. Martin Campbell back since Goldeneye. And he yeah, just and apparently the only reason why he did this one was because he was available, essentially. That's basically what it came down to. He was 
He was just like, oh, I'm I'm free, so I can do it. Yeah, and he did like the he loved that they were going back to the books. He was really excited about that because he was a big fan of the books. Craig was really happy with Campbell. Uh, Daniel Craig, at what he said, uh, Martin fires everyone up, is what he said. Uh, mm. He just liked, he loved the way he directed. Uh, Mads Mickelson also spoke really fondly of him. Uh, Mickelson hadn't really done like a big Hollywood production uh, at this point. He had done King Arthur, but like he hadn't done like anything on this level. Uh, he mm-hmm. had just done a lot of smaller independent uh, like Dutch films. And, mm-hmm. uh, but he, so he was really nervous to do this because he just thought it would just be people like really loud, people screaming. He just thought it would be like this, you know, whatever the stereotypical Hollywood, you know, movie set's supposed to be. But he said mm-hmm. Campbell was super laid back and was just really, was really nice about everything. And he said it almost, he said it basically had the same Morgan environment um, mm-hmm. as like the small independent films he was doing before that. So, mm-hmm. Campbell wanted to rewrite. Uh, Campbell actually, like, he didn't, like, say Purvis and Wade were terrible writers or anything, but he did say that he felt they were just brought in to kind of, like, develop the framework. And then and then you've got to bring, like, he he said, quote, unquote, a real writer <laughs> to come in yeah. and, like, and like flesh it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he brought in Paul Haggis because, you know, yeah. who was says Bond? In everything in the early 2000s, his name is on it a lot. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, he's coming off an Oscar win uh, for Crash. Uh, mm-hmm. He also won Best Screenplay for Million Dollar Baby, I think. He wrote Million Dollar Baby. Did. I think he won yeah. back-to-back, yeah. Yeah, I believe that's correct. So, And then, and then Crash, the movie, actually won uh, Best Picture. And uh, everybody mm-hmm. loves that movie. It's you know, So it's like, I think everybody today says it's the most deserving to Oscar win. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That is not true. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I will say though, and people will turn off the podcast probably now. I don't mind it. I think it's a perfectly fine movie. I don't understand yeah, all the same same, uh, same way. I don't I don't love it or anything, but I just the hate it gets. I just don't understand. Yeah. But uh, maybe I'm missing something. Um, no. But but Haggis comes in. Haggis also I should mention also was the co-creator of Walker Texas Ranger. So oh yes yes indeed. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, he, if he were here, he would ask you to remind everybody of that as well. Yeah, I'm sure he would. But a lot of, I mean, it was, I mean, he probably still makes a lot of money off that. So I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's okay with it. Uh, he was actually a nominee for writing Million Dollar Baby. He's, oh, okay. He has won two Oscars, but they were both for. Oh, okay. Okay. So he did not win for a Million Dollar Baby. He was just nominated. No, he was I'm nominated. glad you looked that yeah. up. Okay. I really thought he won. Um, I did too. Most of his work, uh, well, the biggest thing he did was he revised the climax. So, and I'll talk about this a little bit when we talk about the book, but like the Vesper Lindeth is very different in the book. And that's mm-hmm. what Purvis and Wade did. I think the decision that Haggis makes is probably, I mean, I think both, in, I think both work, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I do think that was a, that was a pretty good idea. Uh, yeah. And I think Campbell had some, some to do with that too. I think Campbell was saying he wasn't happy even though it was in the book, he didn't really like the way it worked out in this, in this adaptation. And so I think Haggis came in and did, he also said Haggis also, it was really weird because he, he thought he was only rewriting the third, the third act. Mm-hmm. And then they asked him to work on the second act. So he did that. And then they asked him to work on the first act. So like, he basically wrote this script from like the, the end to the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was interesting. Yeah supposedly the entire opening chase scene was like a five or six line paragraph in the Purvis and Wade draft that essentially said, now we're going to have the best parkour scene ever filmed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. 
Which everybody said that made sense because, you know, that's something that obviously the director and the designers and all that, they're going to come up with all that stuff. You know, that's, mm-hmm. you don't typically write in script like left punch, or, you know, right punch and all that stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, we already mentioned this. They they still didn't completely own the rights to everything because of Thunderball. Uh, so there's still no mention of Spectre yet. And uh, and like, even though, I mean, it's obvious that's who Mr. White, the the, the mysterious Mr. White character he's supposed to be involved with he's kind of like uh i don't know he reminds me of a uh, pete postlethwaite and usual suspects kobayashi yeah whatever. yeah yeah um so there have been a couple reasons cited why brosnan didn't come back i guess i did have this before we got into the cast uh the one most people seem to believe is that they decided to go younger because they they did mm-hmm. decide they were just going to adapt casino royale and they were going to kind of start things over and all that kind of stuff so the other thing though is that brosnan had changed agencies and that was causing communication to be a little difficult. It didn't specifically say like the new agency was off, but I think it was just because of he was changing things. It was hard for them to know who to talk to and all that kind of stuff. Well, and it was and also rumored I, that he wanted, I'm sorry. Wait, you're about to say it. So go ahead. Oh, the, uh, the money. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted $40 million is another yeah, yeah. Uh, thing I read, uh, yeah, which yeah, yeah. And they might have paid him that. Like, that might not have been why they didn't choose him. I mean, because he definitely had. I mean, Craig probably made that much by the end. So Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that was really uh, a negative. I think the main, from what I could tell, I think the main thing was that they just decided. But I did read, somebody was talking about, if you took that opening, like uh, the, the double O scene where he gets his double O, like if you took that out of the movie, you could, you could easily have Brosnan in this movie. Mm -hmm. In some ways, the fact that, Judy Dench is back. It actually makes it make more sense if Brosnan is the one that's there. But you know. yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I I noted uh, before I get to the cast, uh, Broccoli was really hesitant to do a lot of things that were like they were able to talk her into a lot of stuff, but she kept getting really hesitant about changing things as much as they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, one scene that the couple scenes that stayed in that she did not like and really tried to get taken off for there's and they're so small, which is interesting. But the one where Bond goes in the hotel room and he's getting on, he's telling uh, Vesper she's got to wear this dress, and then he goes into his room and his suit is laid out. That mm-hmm. really bothered her. She was like, Bond mm-hmm. would pick out his own suit, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. And then that yeah. scene, which I love this bit where he he's about to tell he's about to say M's name because he found out oh, what her first yeah. name was. Uh, she just said that wasn't very, that wasn't very Bond. I was like, okay. But, I'm glad they kept well, it in. <laughs> and maybe if you, if you look at this as James Bond, just beginning and everything, you, you realize that he's not Bond yet. In fact, if, no. I mean, not the Bond, like he's not completely anyway, he's got mm-hmm. the elements of what, what is going to become Bond, but, I'm sure at some point someone told her that like, look, this is, this is a raw bond. This is one Mm -hmm. that this, this guy hasn't, hasn't uh, figured out all of his, all the things yet. He doesn't know Mm -hmm. what the line is yet. So, uh, uh, and you can see that in that opening fight that they keep cutting to in the beginning part of this, he's, he's not that, that fight scene is him barely taking care of business basically like yeah, he, he's sure. in a, it's not the usual like stealth kill bond this is a this is a you know this is a rough and tumble one so yeah 
I, I, I think that, I think that's interesting that they, they had to have gotten her turned around on this or else I don't think it's in the movie. If, if those oh things, yeah. No, absolutely not. You know. No. Yeah. Cause she could have definitely said no, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but no, they, they, but they kept pushing it. And I, 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 I didn't really, I didn't read a whole lot. Michael G. Wilson didn't have a whole lot to say, but like, so I didn't read a lot of his things, but I, so I don't know, but, um, but she definitely had some, uh, reluctant she was a little reluctant at times but in the end said she was very happy that all those things happened because she Mm -hmm. you know she thought it worked out yeah that was something i guess i can talk about that more in the review but that was definitely something i really took away from it more watching it this time because i had seen it in a while and it is interesting how like i mean like everything matters because it all gets you to that uh that end i mean you could definitely argue that things could have been edited i'm sure I mean, it's mm-hmm. almost two and a half hours. Probably doesn't need to be, but I don't think there's a scene in there that doesn't 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 weigh in on what's going on. Let's talk about the cast. So we got Daniel Craig, his first of five, yeah, five Bonds uh, over a much longer uh, uh, year total than uh, than past Bonds for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like I guess it's like yeah, fifteen years. Um, so yeah. But uh, Michael G. Oh, here's Mike. Michael G. Wilson. One thing I did have, he claimed at one point there were as many as 200 names thrown around, which I'm sure there were. I mean, that's probably right. That's not auditions. That's just they were trying yeah, to figure people out people saying, hey, this might be a per- good person. Yeah. Uh, Goran, uh, Goran Visnijic, uh I think he was oh, on Goran ER. Vishnik. Vishnik. Goran Vishnik. He was like on ER, I believe, at the mm-hmm. I think that yep. was kind of his most popular thing at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. He could. He reportedly. I don't know how much they were considering him, but he couldn't do the English accent very well. Uh, that mm-hmm. was a. So he was kind of out. Uh, Carl Urban was a name I came across, which was interesting. God, he had to be super young. But yeah, but, but at but that Henry time Cavill, he was coming off the of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had Henry Cavill, uh, who everybody really liked him, but he was only twenty two. Super so, young at the yeah. time. Yes, but they were really considering it. And I mean, if you've seen Man from Uncle, which isn't a great movie by any means, but it's perfectly fine. But he's I mean, you can see what he would have been and it would have been probably mm-hmm. fun. But but just yeah, just way too young at the time. Um, Sam Worthington, which Worthington randomly recently, I guess, with Avatar 2 and everything, uh, somehow somebody asked him about when he was up for Bond. And he so if you want to look him up, it's just kind of a he just he basically said his audition was like his whatever he did was terrible. Mm. Uh, he said he said it was like he's like. He's like, they, they did not hire me and in no means should they have. It was bad. Yeah. 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 Uh, Doug Ray Scott was another one, obviously mission, of course, uh, mission, yeah. mission impossible Two. Doug Ray Scott, who unfortunately, uh, said no to Wolverine <laughs> to do mission impossible or, yeah. or had to say no. I can't remember what the deal was. Uh, cause mm-hmm. mission impossible Two I think went over, uh, on its days. So he couldn't yeah. do X-Men. Uh, that poor man, and he lost out on Bond. Uh, Sam Hewen, who is most people know him now. I've never watched Outlander, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's Alex O'Laughlin, who kind of was like the 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 aughts like TV guy. Like he would just pop up. Like he did Hawaii Five O, and uh, there was some vampire show he was on. But anyways, mm-hmm. uh, Julian McMahon played Doctor Doom in the the first couple Fantastic. Oh, Julian movies. McMahon. Yeah. What did I say? Oh, I said McMahon. Yeah, McMahon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. From, <laughs> I don't think uh, McMahon time, is even a thing. <laughs> at the time, what Nip Tuck was Nip his Tuck, big yeah. thing. That, that, yeah, yeah. Well, 2006. Yeah, I think that was probably maybe that was getting close to ending, but it was definitely that would have been his biggest thing. Uh, mm-hmm. He actually might have done though. 
there might have been a Fantastic Four. Was the Rise of the Silver Surfer that was around then? Yeah. Um, Those are the only couple things I knew him from. He was also on this show in the in the nineties called Profiler uh, that I used to watch. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember. I remember the first Fantastic Four came out in two thousand five. Was he in that one? Was he in the original Fantastic Four? I can't remember. Yeah, he is. He's 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 Doctor Doom. So yeah, so I guess yeah. he's 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 more famous for Nip Tuck, but he had been in Fantastic Four. Yeah, so. I think Nip Tuck got him Fantastic Four. So mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. yeah. He was a TV guy, like I said, up till that point. Um, yeah, uh, Ewan McGregor was a name I came across, although I couldn't really find anybody actually validating that. But it was in that Bruce uh, Rupert friend. Or, and mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Anthony Starr, who that's I think that's Homelander on <laughs> The Boys. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. That's so right. he had to have been really young. Yeah, uh, I would have to imagine. Um, and like I said, Henry Cavill. I think outside of Craig, Henry Cavill was the only one that was actually being like really considered, but like they couldn't mm-hmm. get past that age. Uh, yeah. So uh, Daniel Craig, however, they kind of had to talk him into it. Uh, he wasn't that interested at first. Because I think of the like, just I mean, I I because you had to. You, it was it's a commitment, right? I mean, you've got to mm. you've got to sign up for like five films, and it's it le- I mean, it ended up being a lot more of his life than it probably originally was supposed to be. But you think I'm doing this role for ten years? I mean, that's what you would be thinking. But mm. uh, he loved the script. He was a big fan of the script, and so mm. that that kind of got him into saying yeah. And then and then he also said at one point too, he was just like. He's like, this would be really stupid not to take <laughs> at some point, yeah. he said. So, yeah. Because uh, at the time, I mean, he, he, uh, 2005, he did, was it 2005 was Layer Cake? 2004, 2005, something 2004, like that. 2004, and I believe, from what I understand, Barbara Broccoli seeing Layer Cake is one of the major yes. reasons why he was even offered. Uh, and I get it. He, he had also been in Road to Perdition at this point. Um, uh, you know, and Munich. He, he, and Munich and, and, and people still didn't, I don't think he was exactly a household name at this point, yeah, even no. though layer cake was a, was a movie, like a movie lovers kind of movie. You, yes. It wasn't like, wasn't like everybody knew what layer cake was back yeah. in the day, but, but layer cake definitely was the thing that apparently got him uh, ushered up into the front of the, the line. Yeah. So. And if anybody listening has not seen layer cake, I recommend that. Yeah. That it's is very a, good. That is a super fun, good movie. It's uh, what's the director? It's the Kickass, yeah, X Men, uh, Kingsman. Why can't I think of it? I don't know. Uh, we're we're the worst. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking nothing. it up. Why are you guys listening to us? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably not now. Matthew Vaughn. Matthew, Matthew Vaughn. Vaughn. Um, Munich though. Uh, he had done Munich, and Munich also. Uh, well, he said um, he read the script, and then after that, he read all the Fleming novels to prepare. Uh, well, I read one thing where it said he did read them all. One of them, he said he read most of them and he watched all mm. the movies. But also when he was filming Munich, there were British secret service agents uh, being used for um, uh, uh, advisors, like in an advisory mm-hmm. capacity on the shooting of that movie. And, uh, and so uh, he said his work with them really helped flesh out like what he was yeah. going to do uh, with Bond. There was a decent amount of controversy. We we kind of mentioned this. Uh, this would have been like I don't remember when Twitter started. Twitter was like around then too, right? Two thousand, like the mid two thousand. Yeah, it was around this time. It was around so, this time. But yeah. you've definitely got websites, people on websites talking about this stuff. And people were not happy. Uh, they said he just didn't look like James Bond, which I don't. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. 
I don't, I mean, I just don't, it does. I mean, it's like, it's like the idea that like you're, so you're saying Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, and Timothy Dalton all looked the same. <laughs> like they, yeah, they look nothing yeah. alike, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, the blonde hair seemed to really bother people. Uh, yeah, I don't, it, it's, it's, I don't know. There's a, there's some sort of honest, I, I don't know if it's honest or what, but it, there's some sort of uh trigger for some people that if, mm-hmm if an author wrote a description of somebody in their book, then you always have to follow that, that same thing every single time. And it's like, if you're upset about somebody being blonde, then what, what kind do you get upset when there's like slight changes to like the story? And, uh, I mean, I, I, I've no book readers who, who get upset at that type of stuff too, but the, who ca- that's one of those who all time who cares type things of like what their care color is as long as they act well and they they do the part well who cares if they're blonde or whatever or like white or black and all that i mean like yeah who cares? exactly yeah exactly and i mean it was it really bothered people though there were internet campaigns to i don't know if it was to get them fired but there were definitely like campaigns that were saying this shouldn't happen i still get the sense that even back then these are a small amount of people just Absolutely. making a lot of noise. Yeah. Just making sure. a lot of noise. Just, Especially you know, you know it's, it's not, it's not, it's it, this, I mean, it's never serious. If it was serious, you know, maybe they would have made changes, but it's never, yeah. it's not serious enough. You're never going to be serious enough to, to make a change like that. No. And the few times it's looked like that maybe somebody did make a decision based on what, you know, the fan base was saying it, it usually doesn't turn out great. Yeah, so. It backfires every time. But um, it kind of reminded me, I mean, this is actually worse, but it kind of reminded me of when um, Alicia Vikander got uh, cast as Laura Croft mm-hmm. and uh, people getting upset. She didn't have large enough breasts. I was like, yeah, are you that's fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <sighs> exactly. Oh, man. Alicia Vikander, though, for her parents, I've seen her on several interviews where she's laughed about it. Like she thought, I mean, she at least, you know, she's given that outwardly appearance, but I, I can't yeah. imagine that had to be annoying as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eva Green, it's Eva, right? Eva Green? I think it's Eva Green. I have yeah. heard Ava before, but I, I, I like usually I say too. Eva. I do too, yeah. I hear people say Ava a lot, and I don't, I, it would seem like to me that it would be AVA if That's it was Ava. That's what I always think, yeah. But I've yeah. heard Ava, and I think it's Eva, so I say Eva. So Eva Green plays Vesper Lind. A uh, couple of names, or a few names I saw mentioned about this. Angelina Jolie, uh, was, which, you know, she was being considered probably any female role at that time. Yep. Uh, same with Charlize Theron. I mean, they both were in that mix. Uh, yep. Audrey Tatu, which, you know, that would have been cool. Hmm. Interesting. But apparently the two it got down to were Green and uh, Olivia Wilde. So, yep. And then uh, uh, Green got the part. Um, Mads Mikkelsen, it is Mikkelsen, right? I believe so. I think, I think so, yeah. Uh, he is Lashif. Like I said, I think I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about him talking about Martin Campbell, but the only thing I knew him from at the time was uh, King Arthur. Uh, there's there's a few of those earlier, smaller films like he did in his, you know, in Danish films or whatever like this. There was this, uh, the, the Pusher trilogy. I've, I've seen that since, but I hadn't seen it at this point. Uh, so mm-hmm. King Arthur was the only thing I really knew him from. Since then, though, I mean, he's been in a lot of things. Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah. uh, the TV series Hannibal, which mm-hmm. I guess was never like a huge, huge hit, but it's become like a huge like cult type show. Uh, and yeah. he's, he's very good in it as Hannibal Lecter. Uh, and he also replaced Johnny Depp in that last 
uh, Fantastic Beast mm. uh, a movie. But yeah, he's he's been around. He's been doing some stuff. He's a very very well respected actor. Uh, I actually did not have anybody else. I didn't see anybody else that was really up for that role. Mm-hmm. Um, at least nothing that was reported. Is Giancarlo Giannini? I believe that's right. Uh, as Renee Mathis. Who I knew from, from who I knew from Walking the Clouds, and that's it. I think. Was. Well, he, what's funny though, and I love. I mean, this is just random, but you and I both are always fans of this. Though he is in the movie Hannibal. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. He he's in the best part. That's my favorite part of that. I I not that I mean the movie's fine actually. I've kind of gotten I've kind of gotten to where I kind of like it. Uh it's mm-hmm. messy, but there's some good stuff in it. Uh the, yeah. the brain eating scene I can I can't get through. But um but that whole opening bit where it's in like uh are they in Italy, I think? I maybe? think so, yeah. yeah. And uh, he's like the cop that's like going after and I kind of just wanted the whole movie to be that. And then by the end, Anthony Hopkins says, I'm going to have a friend for dinner. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. But yeah, I, I, for whatever reason, and and Giancarlo Giannini has a long storied career of acting, but like, but like walk in the clouds was the one was the movie (laughs) that I knew him from. And I think he's in once upon a crime, which that's such a silly, like little movie to remember him from. But I think he's the detective in once upon a crime. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, no, I like the t- Hannibal tie-in though with Nicholson. I thought it was fun. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, Giannini, he's been in a ridiculous amount of stuff. Um, and I think because that that uh, guy, he was in the uh, the original movie, the original movie that swept away. Maybe it was called Swept Away also. Uh, but they did oh, a, yeah, they did a remake was. of that with Madonna, and I think it was his son played the the male role in that or something like that. It was something. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing I remember from. But yes, Gio Carlogianini is a ton of stuff. Very good actor. Uh, Jesper Christensen, uh, I'm mentioning him. He plays Mr. White. We're going to see him. He's going to pop up in the in the next couple of films. Yep. Uh, he is, at this time, the leader of some group that may or may not be Spectre. Eventually, it will be Spectre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Then we've got, um, I mentioned this, we got Tobias Menzies as uh, Villiers. Uh and I mentioned him because the last name is actually a reference to James Villiers, who played Bill Tanner uh, in For Your Eyes Only. And he's and mm. this character is kind of a Tanner in this movie. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. actually eventually get Tanner uh, back uh, for the for the last couple of the of the Craig ones. Uh, and he was also there's a character in the original novel named Amherst Villiers. So that's it was a it was a shout out to that, too. Uh, Judy Dench is back. Uh, she's the only one returning from the from the Brosnan movies. Uh, she's playing M for the fifth time. She'll we'll still have her for a couple more movies. Uh, spoiler yep. alert: she does not make it past Skyfall. No, um, she does. I have various opinions on her being in this movie, which we can talk about. But like, I love Judy Dench. So at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, what are we complaining about? Yeah. Um, maybe the. One of the most interesting, at least the smaller characters, uh, Jeffrey Wright makes his first appearance uh, mm-hmm. as Felix Leiter. Uh, this is when I finally kind of like Felix Leiter. <laughs> yeah, yep. as a character, and I don't even know if it's really written that well. But Jeffrey Wright is just one of the best actors ever. He's so good, uh, and and he has actually had some starring stuff like smaller films. I think Basquiat was the first thing I ever saw him in, which yep. he's playing, you know, Basquiat. But uh mm-hmm. 
but uh, very memorable. Like just so, and like he's got a bunch of movies too. But for some reason, Shaft, that Shaft movie with Samuel L. Jackson, oh, yeah, yeah. I, he's so good in it though. That movie's not good, but he's mm-hmm. just amazing as one of the bad guys. Broken uh, flower was it? Broken flowers? Is what I think movie he's in Broken Flowers with Bill Murray. The, yeah, it's yeah, it's one so. of the it's one of the um. Jarmish. Uh, Jarmish Bill Murray movies he's in and he plays like a detective or something like that. I th- yeah, I, th- Let me, I think it's Broken eh. Flowers. While you're looking that up, I will say that even technically in the Eon franchise, Jeffrey Wright is the first black actor to play uh, Felix Leiter. However, uh, Bernie yeah. Casey played him uh, in Never Say Never Again. One of, uh, I think uh, one of our most uh, positive things about, one of the positive things we had about Never Say Never Again was uh, a yeah, little yeah, yeah. Bernie Casey. But yeah, Jeffrey Wright's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was it was in Broken Flowers yeah. that he shows up, and then you know, and movies that I don't like, of course, he's great in them, like Lady in the Water, and, and yeah, uh, oh, he's act- oh yeah, and, he's excellent in that, and and like uh, one of the it's like the I think it's the is it the second Hunger Games he pops up? It's uh, one, or is it the third one? I can't remember which one it yeah, is. Yeah, I can't remember which one right now. I think it's the it's, second one he pops up yeah. in the. Um, he was also in Westworld for a bit. Uh, the yep. TV series. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he's also he's got a he's got a delivery. He's got a really unique delivery. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I don't know. It's 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 kind of like if it's kind of like what we make fun of Shatner for, but it works for him. Like he's got like these kind of pauses, like the way yeah, he yeah, speaks. Yeah. I know what you know. Doing. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, also, there was a there was a cameo filmed with uh, Richard Branson. Uh, because Virgin oh, Atlantic yeah. is one of the right. is one of the sponsors, but they cut the scene. But he apparently was supposed to be uh, he was having some issues getting through the TSA did screening. They cut the scene. I thought that they cut. I, I don't. I don't remember the scene being in the movie. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the the trivia that I had read on this was that it was in it, but then like some airline cut it out because they didn't want free advertising for Virgin Atlantic when they played the movie uh, on board, but I, maybe I don't know. I read maybe it correctly. I'm not sure. There was a, there was, there was, that's what I read about it. Like, you know, I don't remember Richard Branson being in the movie. So and he's pretty noticeable. It, it made, yeah. He's pretty noticeable, but it, it, they could have done something with him where he's, he doesn't look the same or whatever. But anyway, uh, that's what I had read was that they, it was an airline that cut him out because they didn't want to do a Virgin Atlantic or Virgin because there was a few of those, there was a lot of like editing and cutting on this film for different different versions. But yes, uh, maybe I got it mixed up. But it, but uh, there is a cameo by a Brazilian model, Alessandria Ambrosio. Uh, she's a tennis player in the movie. Mm. In that, uh, but anyways, that's pretty much it for the cast. Uh, those are the ones I thought worth mentioning. Okay, so the film was mostly shot in uh, Berendov Studios, which is in Prague. Uh, but the Bahamas uh, were used, Italy and the UK. Uh, also, they obviously they went to Pinewood and did some stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, the one thing I found interesting when I was doing research, so they go to this exhibit called Body Worlds. Have you ever been to a Body Worlds exhibit? Uh, nothing called Body World, but I have been to, um, I was went to a Bodies exhibit um, uh, last year, in fact. Um, it is World though, right? In- yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It's called Bodies World, and and but the one that I went to was just called Bodies, and I don't know. Oh, if they're, yeah, I got gotcha. you. I Makes don't know sense. if they're. 
I don't know if they're related or what. Uh, they it looks like the same type of stuff. But uh, yeah, back in uh, when I was in Vegas last year, I went to the bodies exhibit that was at Bally's. Interesting. Um, and so yeah, it, it it's basically just you know you go through and you see all these uh, human bodies and, and like posed in certain forms, and it's and it goes over each different system that we have mm-hmm. in our in, in the human body and everything. And this looks like kind of what they're doing here, although it might be a few more scenarios a few more entertaining scenarios than yeah. the one that I saw. But, uh, anyway. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, uh, I just assumed they filmed it one, but they built this. This was not, um, mm. this was not an actual thing being used. Uh, uh, they, they just built these different sections of it. Uh, but the creator of body worlds, Gunther von, uh, Hagen's, he actually has a cameo in the film. Although you apparently can't really see his face. You just see like his name tag or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, they did. They, they actually, they built like that poker scene. And then there was, a, I think there was one other thing we saw, uh, mm-hmm. which I always thought the poker thing was kind of weird anyways. Cause like, it's just like, they're trying to tie everything back to poker in this movie and the, and the poker tournament, it has nothing really to do with anything other than he's got to figure out a way to get money back. <laughs> but like, yeah, it, I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting. Uh, the credit sequence, which I'll go ahead and say is fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was inspired by the cover of a 1953 edition of Casino Royale that had been released. Uh, the book, uh, it had a playing card on it. It was bordered by, uh, eight red hearts dripping with blood. And I looked that mm-hmm. up. It is a really cool cover. Uh, Daniel Kleinman was the one who, who did the title design. Um, he said that the hearts represent the cards, but also the tribulation of Bond's love story. So he decided to run with that idea and he had playing card graphics represent other things. Like you had clubs representing like puffs of smoke, uh, slashed arteries would spurt tiny hearts. It's just really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, he yeah. did not use any of the female silhouettes, which I didn't even yep. think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he it's felt that did, very Bondian. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, they've, I don't, I can't even think if they've used them since they, they might have, I don't know, but uh, he didn't use them because he didn't think it fit with the tone of the movie Uh, Mm -hmm. because this is more about bond actually falling in love. It's not about Mm -hmm. bond. Just in fact, I mean, that's interesting because like, I didn't think about it till this time through, but like the only other woman that he's even with, he leaves before he sleeps with her and he's not even really trying to sleep with her. Um, And you could also argue bond is a little more sexualized in this film than, Mm-hmm. Than than uh, Vesper, uh, you know, yeah. with, especially with the coming out of the water, and you know, which from what I understand, the the uh, that scene was almost an accident because mm-hmm. it was the it was something that happened where he had to come out of the water uh, the way he did because of something there was a, an obstacle of some yeah. sort in the way, uh, and so but- what. No, I was going to say, I mean, I, I read that too, but it's just like, I, I don't know if I believe it because that has to be a reference to Ursula Andress. That, that, I mean, from what I can, what I have heard, like, it's not, it's not. Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I read way, some of that too. The way it came out. Maybe, but maybe that's interesting. You would, I mean, I don't know why they would lie, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where it apparently it was just a, it was just an actor thing. It was like, oh, I can't, I can't do the thing that you need me to do. Now I'm going to have to pop up out of the water at this moment, and <laughs> yeah. and it just so happens to be the Ursula Andress thing. So well, and they had just done that with Halle Berry 
Yeah. You know, in the previous, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. I kind of like it better the way you were saying it though. That makes it even better somehow. Yeah. Um, so uh, digital effects are almost non-existent in this movie. And that is on purpose. Correct. Uh, they, they took that to heart when people said, Hey, another day looks like shit. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's a lot more practical and physical effects in this, uh, including sequences, the, the Mac Madagascar building site chase, which is, you know, yeah. uh, parkour, parkour. Well, I don't know if we've mentioned it. We did. I think we alluded to it in Die Another Day, but Born Identity is such a huge uh, oh, influence. Yeah. Has to be. And of course, Born Supremacy had come out before this, too. Uh, that whole realistic uh visceral kind of uh mm. you know kind of action scene and everything was now in vogue and they were they were sort of emulating what was going on in the born movie yeah if i remember correctly quantum of solace almost feels like a like it almost like you could easily just put jason born in that movie yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it would be it would be like the born identity or whatever uh right but yeah absolutely especially that that scene where they're dudes jumping off the buildings and everything and that felt very boring. Um, also, the there was the the Miami airport chase sequence, um, and then uh, the sinking of the Venetian house. Uh, you get a, mm -hmm. just a lot more practical stuff going on there, which uh, was appreciated. Uh, whether or yeah. not you thought they were good sequences, that alone made them a lot better than a lot of the yeah. stuff in Dino. Oh, yeah, those are all. I think those are all pretty well done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they filmed in the Bahamas for the Madagascar building site. Uh, which was Bond chasing the the uh, the bomb guy uh, Molaka. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a bit where Bond is like driving what's called a digger uh, into a building uh, to try to knock him off. Molaka is like running across these like beams or whatever, and he's trying to knock him off the boards. Uh, they actually uh, they built a model and they figured out all these ways it could work practically. I just love that they actually tested it. They were doing like they were like doing their own version of what's that show where they always test out stuff Mythbusters. yeah 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 it's like they did their own like Mythbusters episode to make sure they did something that made sense mm -hmm. uh and then they ended up removing a section of the concrete wall and they reinforced it with steel so you know nobody would get like seriously hurt but i thought that was interesting uh, i just i just like i think i just like i said i just like the and that's one thing about this movie i think that it, it feels like it was there's a lot of care like right there i mean there's a lot of just people you know some of these bond films especially getting into the 80s really felt like stuff was just like hey that'd be fun to do let's try that out you know yeah whereas in this everything seemed to be more there's a method to the madness mm. or whatever mm -hmm. uh the um the miami airport sequence was a lot of that was shot at the dunsfold aerodome in surrey i basically bring that up i'm not a car guy but apparently uh that's a frequent place uh, that the british car show top gear mm. uh does some of their stuff at uh they actually had to there's a really the scene though where the car so there's uh the police cars are chasing like bond is chasing the guy that's got the bomb and then there's some police cars chasing bond and then there's a plane that's about to like take off or no it's about to land mm -hmm. and it goes over them and then like the last police car gets like caught up in like the jet propulsion and just fucking yeah. flies up in the air yeah uh, yeah yeah <laughs> So they had a they had a crane with a lead cable attached uh, to do that scene. I just thought it was pretty interesting, but uh, yeah, because I was really wondering how they did that. Um, yeah, and it actually looked pretty easy at the in the end, but man, it looked so cool. 
Um, yeah. There's a couple of really good. That's that's one of two really good car crashes in this movie, uh, which is not something I usually even notice because mm-hmm. uh, I just don't care. But uh, the sinking of the Venetian house involved the largest rig ever built for a Bond film. It weighed 90 tons. Uh, they had some hydraulic valves that they actually were controlled by a computer. And apparently uh, this whole sequence with the the sinking house took like three weeks or something. Yeah, it took to a while. Do. It also Insane. did not seem very safe. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it was, but God. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it seemed safer than what they used to do in the Bond films. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was like it was three, three and a half weeks. It was, it was, it was like it was like twenty days or something like that. It was, it was a lot. Which mm-hmm. I guess there's, a, but there's also there's meant there's like model work and then there's like there's other aspects to it. So I don't know if they yeah. were on site filming that long, but the entire sequence took almost three weeks. Yeah, and then the uh, the Aston Martin crash uh, where uh, Bond is avoiding hitting uh, Vesper. Uh, that involved the car rotating uh, seven times, uh, and that was actually a world record. I, I I think it still is, but it was actually that's in that was in the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, and they had to use some sort of air cannon or something like that to make yeah, it, it propel. Yeah, the air cannon it propelled it. Uh, yeah, and then uh, it was located behind the driver's seat, so at the moment of impact, it would just start rolling. Mm-hmm. But I was reading that. I just like I'm curious. Like I wonder. Does, I wonder if the Guinness Book of World Records. Like I wonder if they still publish like hard. Because remember that was a thing. I like, don't know if they publish hard covers yeah. anymore, but um, or paperbacks or whatever. But I do know that the whole uh, world record business or whatever you want to call it got yeah. really stupid there for a while, and oh, I, it sure. may still be. It may still be, because uh, people are always trying to find these just oddball things that don't matter for world records like this i mean do you care exactly nobody cares no but i remember like like i mean for people that are a lot younger than us like i remember kids like bringing these books to school like like it was a thing when it released every year and like Mm -hmm. like, can i have the new guinness book of world records yeah it's crazy to think now like what the hell would i care about that now um yeah after getting so much shit for using all the endorsements and die another day they cut back quite a bit although this still seems like a lot but they had Ford and Heineken. Uh, Eva Green would actually start making commercials for Heineken around this time, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smirnoff, Omega SA. I don't know what that is. Oh, that's the watch. Uh, yep. Virgin Atlantic and uh, Sony Ericsson. So that they, they only had like six as opposed to like Yeah, 20. although, you know, is Sony really paying for product placement in their exactly. own movie? So. Exactly. That might have been part of the deal. Yeah, could have been. You never know. You're going to put our shit in the movie and you're going to like it. Yeah. And we're going to go make a right. Spider-Man movie and make a shit ton of money. Exactly. <laughs> and you have to come watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so music, uh, David Arnold is back for his fourth Bond film. Um, although, I mean, there is score. A lot of it is just the the main song, though, which they've done this a lot of Bond films. Uh, but uh, that Chris Cornell wrote and performed uh, You Know My Name. Yeah, uh, that's the song. It's like I said that that is actually what's used in place of the traditional Bond theme. You don't get the traditional Bond theme, I don't believe, until that very end. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is what I read as well. So I'm going to say that's true. But uh, was and a, it comes back a cool, with a force. Yes, there was a cool thing that happened also in this score. You know, one of the 
one of the other traditional Bond themes is that one that's, that goes, you know, whatever it is. Um, they did a, they did a sort of an homage to that too. Um, like somewhere in the, somewhere, I think it's, I think it's maybe one of the, the car scene. I'm not sure, but it's that, it's that thing that we, uh, you know, have, have the, that are in a lot of the Sean Connery, James Bond, uh, they did a little homage to that. Absolutely. it's, It's faint, but you can hear it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, they do. Uh, it's uh, it's actually it's probably like probably his best score. I mean, I don't know. The scores don't hit me like they used to, like with the older ones. Uh, yeah, but, but it's probably his best one. Uh, uh, it's better than Golden. I mean, he didn't do Golden Eye, but they're all better than mm-hmm. Golden So yeah. In fact, when you did that do do thing at first, that immediately made me think of like that computerized bullshit that's in oh, that's in Golden Eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, reception for this film was almost. It was pretty pretty positive. Uh, it still to this day has a ninety four percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Craig is the big thing that was praised, uh, even in the negative reviews. Uh, people mm-hmm. were saying good things about him. Uh, he was often compared to both Connery and Dalton. I think the Dalton thing mm-hmm. was just because they have like I feel to me this feels like they finally figured out what they wanted to do with the Dalton films. <laughs> That's kind of what mm-hmm. this feels like. Could be wrong, yeah. but that's kind of what it feels like. Because uh, they definitely could have, if they had the rights to this, this could have been Dalton's first film, you know, like mm-hmm. feasibly uh, in the yeah. 80s. Um, Paula Rent of uh, BBC Films stated that Craig is the first actor to really nail 007's defining characteristic. He's an absolute swine. Really like that. thought that was mm-hmm. pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, Inter- Entertainment Weekly named it the fifth best of the series. Uh, I did not see what the four before it were, but they said that um, there were even critics that said Craig should seriously be considered for an Academy Award nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did get nominated f- for the BAFTA. Uh, he yeah. was the first he was the first actor to play Bond to get nominated for a BAFTA, which is kind of interesting because mm-hmm. you would have thought like maybe Connery would have just gotten a nomination for Dr. No or something. I just don't think they took bond stuff seriously and none of the actors really did either. And of course, true. Timothy Dalton himself, you know, was probably the darkest bond at this point. And those movies didn't do well. So now you've got one where it's Mm -hmm. the actor is doing great. It's a hit. Uh, it's, and, and it's, and it's way, it's way more serious and not goofy like the old ones are like, I can see that being getting Oscar buzz. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, yeah. that's no weirder than like two actors winning for playing the Joker. Yeah, exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. Which is still, that's never, that's going to be the craziest Oscar trivia ever. I don't know. I don't know what could beat that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Being someone who grew up in the eighties, like that's mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, because I re- I even remember in '89 people were talking about they thought Jack Nicholson should be nominated. He was not. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Vicky Allen of the Sunday Herald, a f- quite a few reviews mentioned this, but I liked hers. Uh, she talked about how, which we kind of said earlier, that Bond was the one being more sexually objectified. Uh, you could argue mm-hmm. that. Uh, that yeah. was the scene where he comes out of the ocean. The other one was where he's stripped naked and uh, tortured. Uh, yep. You know, he's the one being exposed as opposed to, you Which know, is, Vesper. That scene, I it, that scene's in the book, right? The torture it scene? Mm-hmm. Almost beat for beat. 
it was actually written for the old casino. Like, but I think bef- when Charles Feldman was trying to make the mm-hmm. uh, the Casino Royale the the good like a like an actual mm-hmm. legitimate one, they had that scene scripted way back then, and just That's imagine. Crazy. They don't like. There was no way that they were going to put that in a movie in the sixties. <laughs> like so, I'm just picturing now. I know it wouldn't have been David Niven, but now I'm just picturing naked David Niven, like getting yeah, his yeah. balls hit. Oh my uh, yeah, that oh, David what? Niven would have taken that in a funny direction. Oh, yes. uh, but yeah, but yeah, they wrote that dark ass scene uh, even back then. They That's just crazy. there was no way There's they were going to no put it in. No way this, that would have been filmed. And I know oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like the like the you know the the misery scene you know in the book you know he gets his, yeah. he gets his feet chopped off and they actually yeah. had that in the script but then they realized mm-hmm. they couldn't do it yeah Although what they do is probably more horrifying and oh uh, yeah and it's just a split second that you see yeah. it and it's hard yeah. it's ridiculous yeah um so the negative reactions uh were mostly centered around it was darker uh, you know, the Brazen ones, although the Brazen ones actually were darker than I remembered now that we've gone back through them, uh, yeah. in some ways, maybe not intended that way, but in some ways they've kind of become darker just because of things that have happened since. But mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of like, there's, in fact, we're not even, I've already decided we're taking the gadget thing out of the Craig ones. Cause there's just not really gadgets in the Craig films. We don't even get a yeah. cue until I think Spectre is the first time we even have Q. So yeah. Uh, uh, Jay uh, Wishaw comes in to yes. to play. Yeah. yeah, is it Ben? Is that what you ben, said? Ben Wishaw. Ben yeah. Wishaw. Paddington, right? I think so. Voice of Paddington. Uh but so, uh yeah. he played and, and and the first uh the uh, homosexual cue on top of things. So. Yep, yep. Good stuff. Um but yeah, so that so that's where the negative reactions came in. Like this isn't my bond. There's no gadgets and that kind of stupid shit. But yeah. the the other thing well, in fact, I wrote one down. John Bifus of the Commercial Appeal stated, who wants to see Bond learn a lesson about ego as if he was Greg Brady in his Johnny Bravo phase, which is actually a pretty funny mm. sentence. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing that was criticized was the pacing, uh, which I might talk about uh, that a little more. That talk definitely about my could have used uh, a tweak. Yes. Uh, and a lot of people, especially like they said after the poker game, like the poker game, and then some of the reviews are like, it's almost like the poker game kind of felt like you know, maybe there'd be a scene after that, but that kind of felt like the finale. And then, it, but then it just goes on for like another, mm-hmm. you know, 20 yeah. minutes or whatever after Mickelson gets killed and stuff. Uh, in 2008, Entertainment Weekly, I remember this too for some reason. I mean, I don't remember the specific ranking, but I remember this list. 2008, Entertainment Weekly cited Casino Real as being the 19th best film of the past 25 years, mm. which that's, that's, I don't know. I don't know that I would put it that high, but uh, mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, and then I already mentioned the BAFTA. It was nominated for, I guess, nine. It won a BAFTA for Best Sound. And then Eva Green didn't specifically win for the movie, but she got a Rising Star Award, which, mm-hmm. I mean, still was kind of for the movie. It's just basically saying she's someone to keep yeah. an eye out on. It was also nominated, though, for Best Film, uh, Best Screenplay, Music, Cinematography, Editing, Production Design, Special Effects, and then Best Actor. I already mentioned Craig became the first BAFTA nominated actor for playing James Bond. I'd also won a Saturn award, uh, which is like the sci-fi horror fantasy. Uh, It won the Saturn award for best action or adventure film. So yeah. So I guess now we'll just talk about uh, the movie itself. 
This is a segment we like to call a review to a kill. I've got you in my sights. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. Why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before. We're going to give you our thoughts on whatever film we are discussing this week. And this week we are discussing 2006's Casino Royale. I will give the quick synopsis. After earning 00 status and a license to kill, I think that's the same fucking thing, uh, secret agent James Bond sets out on his first mission as 007. Bond must defeat a private banker funding terrorists in a high-stakes game for poker at Casino Royale Montenegro, which does not exist. Uh, I mm-hmm. did not mention that. Um, look, it's somewhere else. In the book, it's like, I don't know if I wrote that down or not, because in the book, they're like in the Bahamas or something. Yeah, so uh, Casino Royale, this is a movie. Uh, we were uh, we were very much in our adult years uh, when this movie uh, came out. You were in New yep. York, right? I was in New York, yep. And uh, this was the year you did your Bond review thing. This was the year that I watched all of them up until this point. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoy Casino Royale. The opening scene may be the best Bond opening ever. Um, You're it's pre-credits. one of my favorite. Or- the black and white pre-opening yeah. scene is probably the best thing that's ever been made. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Bond, there have been several uh, spectacular opening scenes. Golden Eye mm-hmm. has a great one, obviously. Uh, but uh, but also involving th- this the one's my, yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> this one is probably my favorite, just because uh, you know we you know we see this guy who's a disgraced agent come in, and and uh, Bond is already sitting there, and yes, he's not quite Bond yet. Uh, but he is, uh, he, he's, he's definitely thought of everything in the scene and the guy tries to go and, uh, go to his desk and get a gun out. And of course, uh, you know, he's already taken the bullets out of the gun and there's nothing he can do. I love that he left but, the gun there though. I just love that. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. <laughs> like, At least the guy. <laughs> make him, make him think he has a chance. Yeah. Uh, when he asks about his handler he, and you know, he goes, uh, He's like, how did he die? And there's this scene, it cuts to Bond beating this dude up in a bathroom and it comes back and he's like, not well. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. I love that scene completely. Um, And then, yeah, all the, all the shenanigans at the beginning where he goes into M's apartment and all of that, this is a completely different Bond. The story itself is weird, a little bit weird. I mean, it's not that it detracts from my enjoyment of it. Um, but we have a villain here who has squandered his money, uh, on trying to, uh, uh, game the stock market. It's, it's something that I think the first time I watched this, I had no idea what was going on. He, mm-hmm. he gets all this money for, from terrorists. And then he, he basically bets it all on this airline failing. And this is, uh, something that we're going to start seeing a bunch of in movies, 9-11 conspiracy theories and things like that, which is what M does uh, when she briefs Bond on this. She says, mm-hmm. before 9-11, you know, this secret organization that we don't know the name of yet uh, had bought a whole bunch of, uh, shorted a bunch of air, airline stock or whatever before 9-11 and then made off like a bandit. So this is what they're, this is what we're led to believe that Spectre is basically getting funded through is that they, they made a huge bet on the airline industry failing and they, they won that bet. And so they've got, you know, billion dollars or whatever mm-hmm. it is that they've got. Um, but, uh, but, uh, 
you know, uh, Lashif makes a bet basically on this that uh, Bond foils early on. There's a there's that big uh, you know airport mm-hmm. scene uh, that where that has a really cool you know he's there's the little bomb that's attached to the plane. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, and that yeah. he he takes off and then ha- hooks it on the guy and the guy's mm-hmm. like ready to set the bomb off and he's got the bomb on him i really do like that um uh but but yeah like so the movie then takes the detour essentially that lashif needs to uh get all that money back and he somehow sets up this game i mean i guess specter is setting him up with the money uh to uh you know to to have this poker game with a 10 million dollar buy-in um and he sets it up fast like this is like it is mm-hmm. apparently there's a bunch of people in the world who want to play poker for 10 million dollars <laughs> a tournament game for 10 million dollars uh that they can just get they can just go ahead and set this thing up um so so I, I there's there's elements of this that is like it's kind of interesting the the bond villain usually has some sort of world domination thing in mind this time this guy is in hot water he could somebody Mm -hmm. could easily like pop a cap in his ass Mm -hmm. uh is you know i'm kind of surprised you know like this is one of those weird things in the movie like there's a point where the terrorist guys show up at the hotel to like kill him Mm -hmm. and i'm like don't you guys want him to play the poker game so that you can maybe get your money back? Like what is, why are you, you know, like that's, there's just weird stuff like that. And like, as soon as the poker game is over and Lashif hasn't won, I'm shocked. There aren't people waiting for him after that. You know, it's, and, and and that's part of where the pacing of this movie could stand Mm -hmm. some cutting you know having just don't have the terrorists show up in the middle of this movie trying to kill the chief and don't have and have it where i mean you you i guess you don't get to have that naked torture scene but just have people wait just have people waiting for the chief after the poker game yeah. because he isn't gonna he ain't gonna last long after this anyway and there's a whole thing where i don't get what he thinks he's going to be able to do because the the bank account that you know the they have a secret mm-hmm. word that goes straight to a bank account that that they've already mm-hmm. that they've already set up so it's not going to go to him once he yeah. gives the password away it's not going to go to him yeah i mean i guess he could go and call the swiss bank guy and say no i actually want it to go to this bank account i don't know there's a lot of stuff that's weird in this movie mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that i that it, it detracts from the enjoyment because e- all these scenes are pretty well executed all the way throughout even if there's a lot of like questionable things that go on in it. <laughs> I think in the sins video, I think it was Jeremy that wrote one. I think he wrote this, but there's a really interesting scene too, where uh bond like zeros in on where this phone call was made. And mm-hmm. he goes to that club and he goes in, he, he creates a diversion so he can go into the security office or whatever yeah. and look at the security cameras and the guy just happens to be on camera doing the texting or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like he could have done that text from anywhere in the club, but he just happens to be getting out of his Aston Martin 
and like texting yeah. this the bomb guy or whatever and it's like that's it's the, really uh, is that the ellipsis that right yeah ellipsis, that's where he ellipsis get, which yeah. actually ends up saving his ass <laughs> yeah exactly like there's no that, like it's so hilarious he gets out of the car and he's like oh yeah and it's like that could have happened anywhere but it happens on camera for bond um but uh but yeah and just generally enjoy this now back in 2006 poker wasn't it, it it the one it wasn't as advanced as it is now so like a lot of poker concepts and and whatever these things they're not going to follow that thing and of course even though the money maker boom had happened in 2003 when he won the world mm-hmm. series of poker it had only been three years removed and it's not like everybody knows poker so i kind of get why they felt like they needed to have the most ridiculous poker hands in history uh on on this thing but it detracts quite a bit it's a it's a missed opportunity because m says that the his profile is that he's the best poker player mi6 has Mm -hmm. instead of being the best poker player though he's arguably one of the worst poker players ever (laughs) and he gets the luckiest hands ever to win the whole thing um so, or MI6 so like, just has a bunch of terrible poker players. <laughs> they have a lot of terrible <laughs> poker players, yes. So it's hard to it's hard to judge them in 2006 for making poker um a little bit more nuanced because people are not going to be able to follow that. They follow, oh, a straight flush, oh, a full house, oh, quads or whatever. They know what those hands are, but it do- it doesn't show us the skill Bond has playing poker. And and um so like so there are several scenes in this that i'm like i'm like it's so stupid the the scene where lashif decides to do his fake tell tell is the dumbest thing ever so bond sees that he like he like Mm -hmm. he like rubs his eye and that's in that in one hand he knows that he doesn't have anything because of that and so then he goes over and tells giancarlo giannini who of course is a double agent he ends up telling lashif about it uh it's 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 it it is that that explanation is said very quick yeah very like out of the way yeah, you know he, he just kind of randomly tells uh he randomly tells um vespa that that he tells vespa that mm-hmm. uh you know oh yeah i i told him that and then of course the next hand he he, he does that mm-hmm. and, and it was a fake um but that hand is the worst hand to to do that fake tell on because I mean, he's got quad jacks, um, and 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 Bond has uh, kings full of aces. Yeah, so he's uh, calling no matter what. He's by the calling way. no matter what. There, it's not a matter <laughs> of what. So I mean, yes, there is a lot of money getting thrown thrown in. Like there is something to be said for would somebody do this with a worse hand? Like you know, would they do it with just a king in their mm-hmm. hand and? that type of thing. And like, I, I think ultimately it doesn't matter. You're going to call every single time because the, the number of hands that Lashif could have that beat you are very small. It, well, and it, it might've just been the quad jacks. That might've been the only hand that would have beat him. I, I trying to remember, it, but pocket aces, pocket aces would have won because oh, that, he would have well, had ace, aces full oh, of Kings. He didn't have an ace. It was, That's right. It was Jack yeah. King, ace King mm-hmm. Jack, I believe was the yeah. run out, which is another stupid, I mean, it's absolutely silly that it ran out this way. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
but so it's it's one of those things where he's he's got the what you know if we don't have poker people out there it's the third best hand that -hmm. he could possibly have at the time uh because he has ace king and there's two kings and an ace on the board and and uh he's got kings full of aces but uh the one of course the one that the poker community always talks about is the last one which is absolutely insane there's no reason for him to be in there with five, seven of spades. Uh, it happens to run out where just everybody happens to get like the one guy's got what would normally be the nut flush. If you didn't have the straight flush, mm-hmm. um, there's the, uh, the one guy who's very pleased with himself, by the way, when he puts down the pocket eights and he's got eights <laughs> full of aces, he's very pleased with that. He thinks that's going to win what, this hand. What for did somebody. you think these other people had? I really want to know. Yeah, like Exactly. There's no <laughs> way you're good in this situation, by the way. Never. You're never good. When Lashif ends up calling, he's got aces full of sixes mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, oh, okay. This, this hand gets, I mean, them revealing one by one yeah. like this, instead of just yeah. throwing out their hands in the first place is the dumbest thing about those things. So I, in a, in a retrospective thing, I understand why they did these hands this way. It doesn't show that bond is a good poker player. I wish that there were hands in there where James Bond calls mm-hmm. with King high. He has no pair, nothing. He calls with King high and he wins a hand. And they could have easily explained that because Giancarlo Giannini is sitting there giving exposition about the the whole poker game, the entire movie. He's like, James Bond has just put in $20 million. He <laughs> yeah, must he's call. like an announcer. He's, he's sitting there doing the whole thing. <laughs> you could do that with any number of like really. Now, I don't know. They're, they're, they, they may have not been able to 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 imagine such a scene playing out in a movie you you want to see super exciting type stuff but if he was a really good poker player he we would have seen bond pull off a bluff we'd have seen mm-hmm. him we would have seen him pick off a bluff instead he just happens to have it all the time or or the other guy happens to have it and he gets bailed out because they can buy it back in uh mm-hmm. um there's also that weird scene too where bond comes back from uh, is it the is it the heart stopping scene where he comes back and he says, "Why don't we raise the blinds?" And I'm like, "That's not up to you to decide. <laughs> You're in a tournament." I don't you know if that's the heart stopping or the fight, but yeah, it's one of those. It's one of the other. Yeah, it's one of the interruptions into the game. He comes back and says, "What do you say we raise the blinds?" Says, it's not up to you, man. And everybody's like, "Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> it okay, it's well, a tournament too. Like blinds are going to yeah, be raised. Because... They're going to be raised anyway. <laughs> Um, no, um, I agree with all that. And it even makes less sense because there's a scene early on where Bond, when Bond meets uh, Vesper, he says, you realize it's not about playing the cards. It's about playing the person, which he, oh, but he doesn't do that. He gets, he, he gets really fucking ever. great hands. And then Eva Green says that whole thing about, she won't give him the 5 million because she says it's all about his ego. It's like he called with the third best hand. I mean, he's not folding yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, nobody is ever folding. Yeah, it's a, it's it's such a, such. I mean, and and it's the most ridiculous thing ever. You must have thought I was bluffing, Mister Bond. Like, who cares? I don't care if you were. <laughs> at, yeah. At that um, point, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, and uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of like questionable things, like you know, that happened uh, after this, like that whole him and 
him and Vesper like falling in love and having the romance and everything that seems like it takes forever because we feel like we've gotten mm-hmm. to the end of the movie at this point. Mm-hmm. And then there's all of this and you know, yeah. Okay. So, Oh, she was in, she has her own problems that she had to deal with. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I don't know how MI6 is this bad at investigating their own people. This seems to happen. It happened in the last movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, how are they this bad at investigating their own people? They, it's like, it, it kills me that. So they, they need, they need Eva green. They need Vesper because she's an accountant to be out like to, to pretend like she's like going out with bond for some reason, even though he completely like ruins that immediately by making that flippant remark at the, mm-hmm. at the hotel desk. Uh, you know, he's all, he's immediate. Everybody knows he's James Bond. He's, he's a secret agent at this point. Um, but they need her for some reason. I can't, I mean, they need her to be an accountant, but they're, everything's being transferred digitally. Everybody exactly. knows, everybody knows where everything's going. Why does MI, MI6, all they have to do is set up an account, tell Bond an, a password and that's it. That's all they need. I don't know why they need an accountant for this. Well, of course, she comes in at the end and, and either changed the account or, Mm -hmm. or I don't know what she did. She, or she gave them a, an account that would go to her, Mm -hmm. which I don't know why MI6 would agree on ever, but yeah, she, you know, all, all because her boyfriend was kidnapped. And of course we find out in quantum of solace, their boyfriend also, uh, wasn't a good guy either. So exactly. So nobody, nobody's a good guy in these movies. Um, anyway, all that to say, I love this movie. All that to say is I love this movie. I've sat here and I've torn it apart, but there's so many great things about even the things that we're like, like we're sitting there just going, okay, I don't know if this is how things would go, but man, I love it. You know? And I love Eva Green's like entrance, uh, when she's in that dress, it's amazing. So anyway, that's all I got to say. I love this movie. There's a lot of things wrong with it. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I'll say that. So I saw this obviously when it came out too, and I really enjoyed it. I remember thinking at the time that after the poker game, it got kind of, I don't know if slows the word, but I, it just felt like it was kind of coming to that finale. And then all of a sudden we're spending like, you know, 20 minutes watching them mm-hmm. form a relationship. I like that stuff better now because I see how all that works. Like I see how you need that for him to really become James Bond, Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of hilarious because I feel like well, with the ending of Skyfall, which is two movies from now, like he doesn't officially become James Bond for a little longer. I could be wrong. That's just how I remember Mm -hmm. it. Stuff that is not this movie's fault that started making me not dislike it, but I definitely didn't have as much of a positive reaction to it as I normally did. This movie gets talked about as when it comes out as being, people were talking about it being the best Bond film ever, the best Bond film since Spy Who Loved Me or the best Bond film since Mm -hmm. Goldfinger. You have people like Entertainment Weekly, like just a couple years later saying it's the 19th best film to come out since 1983. And that's not, and then on top, and you also have, at least at the time, I thought this things could change. You have less interesting films coming after it. And you also realize pretty quickly that I don't know that they really knew exactly where they were going with the story, especially because they didn't even have, they couldn't even say Spectre. They couldn't say Blofeld. They couldn't have Blofeld. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked the idea at the time that they were setting up like this, like uh, 
uh, like continuity that we were getting, like this big story. There's a bigger picture because everybody wants to have a franchise now. You know, everybody wants to have an arc and all that kind of stuff. But then once that arc started, including just the next film after this, it becomes less interest. It becomes less interesting pretty quickly. But once yeah. again, that's not Casino Royale's fault. Yeah. But, but years removed and you've seen these films that aren't quite as good. And then you see these people like saying it's one of the best movies ever. I don't know. It just kind of like, I'm just like, I don't know that it's all that, but, uh, yeah. but watching it now, I it's, it's, it's really fucking good. And mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of people that say this is the best bond film. And I totally get why people say that. I still don't love the last like half hour, but I like it yeah. better than I did. Right. Um, and like you said, there's so many great sequences in this and coming off die another day. Like it's not like him surfing on a blue screen wave, you yeah. know, it's, he's getting his ass kicked and you know, there's actual cars are chasing each other and they're wrecking and like flipping. And, uh, I love that moment by the way, where I love that they throw her out on the road because that's different. It's different in the book, the way they do that. But I love that bit where he just turns and there she is like in the middle of the road. And then I, that mm-hmm. that's one of the coolest car crashes I've ever seen. It's not even a car yeah. crash. It's like, uh, he has to swerve it to a point. So then it starts flipping. Um, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of cool stuff like that. And, and much like Brosden, Craig just seems like James Bond from the moment he says any word. It's like, Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. Bond. Even when he's not yep. Bond yet, technically he's not 007 yet. Technically. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that opening. I love the bit where it probably is the best pre-credit opening. I love the bit where the guy says, you know, it, the second time is, and he can't even get like easier out before Bond mm-hmm. just blows him away. Yeah, <laughs> I just love yeah, that little yeah. touch. <laughs> yes. And he's like, yes, considerably. <laughs> Eva Green is amazing. Um, she, and I think the writing of her character is pretty good too, but she is, she, I mean, she is the best female lead in a Bond film, and I don't even know that it's close. Like, mm. I'm trying to yeah. think of, I mean, I, I don't as know. As far as acting chops and what her character means to the story, yeah. and uh, like most of the most of the characters are eye candy, or they're not, or if they are part of the plot, they aren't good actresses, mm-hmm. and so like, or they're not, you know, they're. They're not. They're no one demands that they be a good actress in these scenes and everything. Mm-hmm. And we got we got some. Obviously, we got some really good ones uh, in the Pierce Brosnan uh, section. You know, yeah, Fonka yeah, Jansen had, his, had I mean, a, Michelle had a Yeoh, great yeah. turn. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh. But like, yeah, I think as far as like what she means to the plot, what she brings uh, as an actress, all of those things, she's probably my favorite of all the ones i, I think have come. yeah and i didn't really think about it till i was watching it this time and because there's been obviously like i said there's been other great ones and like you said some we've talked about recently like michelle yo but there's just something about this character like from the moment she enters there's just something mm-hmm. about the, their converse their first conversation on that train or whatever there's mm-hmm. just something about her that's so different and even when she is being eye candy it's purposeful right it's they're trying yeah. to you know, he, he wants her to put that dress on and come down there and make it so big that production. all the guys yeah. will be thinking about her as in, and then yeah. that's it. And then because, and on, cause and also you see like, it's that, that girlfriend of Lashif's or whatever. I don't even, whatever. Um, I don't even know why yeah, she's it, needed. They could like have still Ivana, threatened him. 
Ivana Milosevich or whatever is yeah, her name, she, I think. Yeah, it's just not like I mean, it's not like a bad actress or anything. It's just the way that that the way she's written is more like a lot of the yeah. females have been written in the past. So it kind of feels odd having her in it. And mm-hmm. like, and you were talking about like we don't even need like they don't even need her to threaten him. I mean, he knows he's in deep shit, and uh, yeah. And I also agree with you, though. I think he could have been killed immediately after that tournament, and it wouldn't have changed anything because then that ter- that terrorist could have gone after Bond to try to get the money. Yeah, there's going to be people who are just and, and 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 it ends up Mr. White ends up killing him anyway. So yeah. I mean, he himself probably would have just ended his life right then and there. Like, yeah. And and what he does, it, I mean, he finds him torturing bond he just lets bond go because he's going to take the money so it's yeah you know it's it's, so it's he doesn't bond isn't even a a big part of this which is another thing by the way like bond is such a a tremendous reason why specter is going after him once they can say specter and everything Mm -hmm. that scene definitely doesn't make any sense (laughs) because mr white could just have ended bond right then and there but instead they had to go through all this nonsense where it was like this was all this was all to get you in my web and it's like <laughs> you had him right there <laughs> oh man i haven't seen specter since the theater but i can just there's there yeah there's so many moments in that where it, you you're gonna we're gonna have so many questions about stuff that happened in this movie mm-hmm. um that's a big one right there but and i think that's another thing that works really well with this because it's the same with lashif right neither bond nor lashif are top of the uh, whatever top of the top of the heap yeah, or whatever they're, you call they're it. just they're just like uh bosses or, middlemen yeah in the in the in the specter organization uh they're gonna make a big deal about every single person that bond has interacted with once specter becomes a big deal uh that's and true show that they're a part of this big huge network of specter but yeah they're they're all like yeah they're all like they're kind of like the, you know, the the guys that get uh, jettisoned uh, down into the, you know, when Blofeld like presses yeah. the button and yeah. and the and the, they go down into the fiery pits or whatever underneath. <laughs> or That's what they tank. are. <laughs> yeah, the shark thing. That's basically what they are. They're just we're just getting to see them out in the field, you know. Yeah. And also that's Mickelson's credit too, because he's just, he can make a character creepy as fuck, which is why he was a good Hannibal yeah. Lecter, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, have you seen Hannibal? Uh, the series? No, I haven't. I haven't seen uh, it. I, I think you'd probably like it. I mean, it's definitely got some like network television aspects to it. You know, like they have to have diff- other, other bad guys and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. like, Mickelson is so good though like even like and I think it's because you know that the character's a cannibal but there will be these scenes where he's just like cooking and mm-hmm. it's so creepy because you're just yeah. like, I don't know what's in that pot yeah 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 and it's, it, it's all because of him and so I think he makes Lashif seem like a bigger threat than he really is and I kind mm-hmm. of forget that every time because I just think of, but then like, yeah, when you break it down, like Bond doesn't matter that much in MI6's chain and Lashif, other than he lost that money, I mean, mm-hmm. as a, you know, they can easily replace him probably. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's kind of like, I don't even know why he gets to do that poker tournament. I, it's, I, I would love I that either. story. <laughs> like, I kind of want to know that story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, but there's, you know, and I guess even with the best, even with the films I might like more than this, there's still a lot of questions. But no, I, I get why people uh, think this is the best one. I, and it's it's definitely one of them. I mean, it's it's in that argument. Uh, it's mm-hmm. probably the best 
for me personally, it's probably the best Daniel Craig. Uh, I, I haven't seen Skyfall. Yeah, we'll have in a while, to see but... once once Skyfall yeah. once we get to Skyfall. I think we can make that determination because yeah. the other two definitely aren't. <laughs> Nate, you're gonna all of a sudden you're just gonna love Spectre. Gonna be, oh, this is fucking yeah. amazing. I love right. this like I love this Joker hideout scene or whatever mm-hmm. this is. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, this is a great movie. I don't. I mean, I don't really. Uh, I mean, I think we've talked about all the big stuff. The the well, I'll talk. Well, we're actually talking about the book today because that yeah, that ball scene, the the whipping the balls, that is one hundred percent in the book, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy to think about now since that book was written in like nineteen fifty three. But do we want to go through a quick rating and then go to the book? Thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could do that. Let's just. Oh, and like I said, we are. Uh, so we normally do. We normally have five different categories. I am officially taking, we probably should have done this from the get go, but I'm taking gadgets out of that because okay, that is just not something that these films are about at all. I mean, Q does yeah. show up eventually, but even then it's, it has more to do with Q's like more doing like research and stuff like that. It's still not really like he's just bringing them all this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, so Yes. We are going to now rank the film in four different categories. Our scale will be based on something that Bond holds near and dear to his heart, as long as they are shaken and not stirred. That would be martinis. So for each category, we will rank from one to five martinis, five being the best damn liquid that has ever passed your lips, one being the well liquor you had to settle for or were too drunk to care that night. I do want to mention real quick now that I've mentioned martinis, though. I love that scene where he orders the drink. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like, it's great. It's like, it's like, it's one of those things. Like I would never think in my wild, I would never think that I would want to know the origin of why bond orders that drink, but I, it's just such a funny moment. It's like, and, and everybody else is like, I'll take one too. <laughs> that's apparently how he orders it in casino Royale, the book, right? That's yeah. That's so, yeah. A, that's, I mean, it's not, yeah, it's similar to that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. For but sure. I, I like that too. Everybody was like, Ooh, that sounds good. And yeah. they all get one. Yeah. And then the chief's like, you guys want to play cards or <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But anyways, all right. So for the rankings, uh, our first one. So yeah, we've kind of t- the, just our overall feeling toward the movie, the story and everything. Uh, yeah. So I think this is a four out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, the only detractions it gets is once you start breaking down a lot of the things that happen in this movie, uh, that's, that's where it, that's where it, it breaks down a little bit. Uh, it's just that they execute all these ridiculous things very well. So it ends up, I think, retaining its four out of five for me. Yeah, for sure. And that's the other thing I, you know, and I didn't talk about this too much on the, in the, in the first segment, but you know, there was cause I just get tired of even saying this because I feel like every film they're like, we just wanted to get back more to the realism. Um, yeah. They definitely, a lot of people said that on this one. And I, and I, and I hear people actually say that about this one. That's what they like about this one is that it's, it's more realistic. I still don't think it's really all that realistic, but I get I get what you're saying. Like they make everything look for the most part like it works. Like it's like it's yes. a believable scenario. Cause we didn't even talk about it in the poker game. There's like these three like hour long breaks. And in every one of the breaks, like Bond just like he almost dies like in one of yeah. them. And then, like he gets yeah. in a big fight in another one because he's got to save that scene know. too. Like he goes, he gets <laughs> he gets poisoned, he goes into the car, he uh, calls the doctors at MIC. There's yeah. two competing doctors who have different opinions, <laughs> yes. and 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 then he gets saved by Vesper at the end, and like, and then and and then they're like, go to a hospital, and he goes right back to the game, and then right yeah. after that, he gets in that huge wreck right yeah. after he's <laughs> like nearly died, 
Um, yeah. So yeah, there's, there's those breaks on the poker game were not kind to Bond, man. But he somehow survived well, it. So and Lashif, I mean Lashif, like gets like attacked in his hotel oh, room yeah. and all that. I mean, it's yeah. just it's like there's a lot of there's a lot going on. I'm surprised either one of them could even play poker. Uh, yeah. Because you never even see if any of the other people are good. Like the idea that none of the other people even matter doesn't even make any yeah. fucking sense. Why? No one's yeah. paying ten million dollars unless they at least know how to play. Even like just yeah, people and, that like to throw money away. You got Felix in there mixing it up too, and he's like he he tells Bond like I'm about to get knocked out. So yeah, whatever. And then I I do it does lend that line where lend it to that line where he says yeah. does it look like this does it look like the CIA needs money um i did like that but um <laughs> but yeah like we don't get the sense that felix lighter is any good at poker either no. yeah uh anyways uh yeah no i'm four i mean i you know it it it's not a five it might be closer to like a four and a half but it's a four but i i do i do really like it but there are like you said i, I think it's a, i still think even though i don't know specifically what i would cut i don't know if i'd cut anything but i still think you could trim here and there i don't I don't think this movie needs to be two hours and, and 20 no, I, minutes. I seriously think that they could have cut a lot in the last hour. There's a lot in so the too. last hour that could have cut. I mean, yeah, it, I guess it, there, it, it is it, closer to like 45 minutes after that poker scene. Like, it's not, I said 20 or 30, but it's actually closer to like 45. Yeah. So yeah, yeah you're right. Um, so the bond, which is Craig, uh, I, uh, I think I'm actually going to give this a five. I think, yeah, he's, I think so. He's really fucking good. Mm hmm. Yeah, he's um, he's he's clearly uh, putting on a performance that no Bond has ever done before. No, and um, it's, yeah. So yeah, I'm a five out of five on this. I don't, and I mean, I maybe like I mean, because Craig's obviously a really accomplished actor. He's a you know he's he's he knows what he's doing, and uh, I I just feel like he does this really good thing. Like he kind of takes from everybody, mm-hmm. but like kind of just does is i don't know it's it's just i don't know like i don't know if you I, like if daniel craig was in 1962 i don't know that we're talking about craig the way we are now because i feel like all the other bonds had to come but regardless mm-hmm. he he makes it like his own thing and um mm-hmm. even the movies that i remember not liking as much in this i always liked him a lot mm-hmm. um it's never because of him you know yeah, uh, which he, he he has a love hate relationship with this role, which I'm sure a lot of. I mean, I'm sure Connery did too. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll, and we'll get more into that as we as we talk about the other. It's movies. a it's a it's a, uh, a you know it's a uh, I don't know it's a large demand on your time and you have it to really do is. the same thing Look. over and over and over again. And if you're an actor, you the reason why you became an actor, aside from maybe becoming rich and famous, is to have a varied career, have something that's interesting when you go out there and do acting. If you do uh, James Bond and you do it again and then you do it again, it's certainly, it starts to become not that interesting anymore. And you're, you know, meanwhile, Daniel Craig also, I don't, I haven't, I didn't keep up with, uh, with this type of thing, but he had to have done the most movies in between bonds that I have. Oh, any of the other bonds. Has he has to. done so many. Like Brosnan did quite a few. You know, he'd throw a Dante's Peak in there every once yeah. in a while. You know, something like that, or a Thomas Crown Affair, or that type of thing. Craig had Roger more Moore time also. than Brosnan, though, in between. Yeah, Roger Moore but obviously still. was in quite a few things uh, during his time as Bond. Other than that, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you imagine that these actors are just like, man, 
Especially, and you see that too with the comic book characters too, where they're sitting there like Downey, they're asking Downey to do Iron Man, you know, four mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's like, man, I've made all the money. I've played yeah. this character. I don't, do I need to do, what do I need to prove here? And I get, I mean, people will say like people build, like, well, they get to act. I mean, that's stupid to complain about, but I mean, it's, I can't even imagine with the training and all that kind of stuff involved for a Bond film either. But also the Bond films start and stop so often. Like he probably didn't even know, like he probably didn't have like, like he was, he would have to go do a Bond film whenever they wanted him to. So mm-hmm. I'm sure just his personal life was a mess and just trying to get other jobs was sometimes a problem because he wouldn't know when the Bond, I mean, I'm, there's, there's a lot of like stuff behind the scenes. I'm, I can see easily that would irritate the yeah. fuck out of somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like these kids that do like these, uh, like these CW shows and stuff. I never thought about this till recently where I've, I listened to this Michael Rosenbaum podcast where he interviews people and, uh, he mm-hmm. interviews a lot of these, a lot of these people that he's acted with and he was on Smallville. So he's, he's interviewed like actors from Smallville and stuff. And they talk about how, like, they don't necessarily regret that they did this, but like, that was like their twenties. Like when they look yeah. back, it's 10 months out of a year for, you know, 10 years. Mm hmm. I mean, that was their, that's like a, that's a decade of their lives that are, yep. you know, yep. that's what they did and they're not complaining. You know, it's nothing like that. It's just, it's just, it's, it's weird though. To, you don't think they about stuff a, like that. Never a varied uh, career and like uh, the ability to do other things. Like yeah. you probably got, you probably got pitched things you could have done, but you couldn't do yeah. them because of that show. Or if you are doing them, you're working 12 months a year because you know, yeah. You know, like, I mean, like Tom, I know Tom Welland, I mean, he did like cheaper by the dozen or whatever, you know, yeah. I mean, that year he probably did not have a day where he wasn't working pretty much, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily feel bad for them. I mean, they made their decisions and they're getting to, you know, act and make a lot of money. Good for them. But I, but I do think there's a lot, I don't think people realize how much there is to it. They don't think about things like yeah. that. Uh, when these people, yeah. when people complain. Uh, so yeah, the villain, uh, the henchman. I mean, Mickelson, I don't know. You go first. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I think Mickelson is a great actor. Um, I don't know if I like this villain that much mm-hmm. because he's he just doesn't have much going on here. Um, he's we 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 quickly find out that he's not even that big of a deal in this mm-hmm. organization. Uh but because Mads is such a great actor, I'm going to at least give it a three and a half. Um, but yeah, it, 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 he doesn't, it does just to know that he's not, uh, that big of a deal. And like all the other people who surround him as villains, you might want to, I don't know if we include Mr. White on this. If we, I include, mean, I guess, uh, but that include Vesper Lind by the end of it. It's not really a, I don't think she's really a villain. She's just doing things that, she thinks is going to help her boyfriend out or whatever and has no choice, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think too much of the villains in this. It, it, it it's, uh, it's just not, not much to them. So it's just the uh, testament to how good Mads is that, uh, that we remember this role at all. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm giving it the same rating. And I think that, and I think it's okay in a lot of ways because I don't think that's the, I don't think what that, that this movie is not about a villain really. I mean, this movie is more about bond than most bond films have been about, especially like as far as it's trying to see him kind of become what we know of as bond. So Mads Mikkelsen just happens to be one of the detours mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, in his, in his development, it's not really much more than that, but yeah, Mads is so good. Mads makes the character a lot more interesting than it would be. Uh, and there's probably other actors that could have played the part, but I'm just saying, I mean, he definitely uh, brings a lot to the role. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily like, I don't even think this is the best uh, villain in a Craig film. So, um, we're not doing the gadgets. So the only other thing is the Bond song. I'm really curious to hear you talk about this. I feel like I remember you saying you really like this song. This is Chris yeah, Cornell. Yeah, I love this. The Chris Cornell uh, song. What's it called the, again? You, you know my name. Yes. Um. Yeah, the, I really, really do enjoy this. Um. I'm. I may be on an island here, but I think this song is perfect. I'm going to give it a five out of five. Awesome. Um, I'm, I'm giving it a four. I, it's probably closer to four and a half. So I'm with you, sort of. Um. I, there was something about seeing this and it, it may just be the way everything came together, but I just love the, the crescendo of this song as, uh, as Daniel Craig, like mm-hmm. faces the camera during that opening credit mm-hmm. sequence. Uh, and it's like, you know, my name, yeah. you know, and he's just, and it's that trademark Cornell sound. And, uh, I just, yeah, I really, really, I, th- th- it's one of those that like pumps my adrenaline and everything when I hear it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's my view. Um, to a kill. No, I think it's really good. I'm, I'm somewhere I'm around four. I mean, I might be closer to like four and a half, but yeah, no, I think it's really good. Uh, it's one that's really, I, uh, it, it's really good. I, I'll say this about Cornell. I think Cornell has an amazing voice and I really like him as a singer. So that's why I think I really like this song because for whatever reason, I'm not a like I like songs by them. Not a huge, huge Soundgarden fan, and I'm all, and yeah. I'm definitely not an Audio Slave fan. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of it's nice to have, but I but I but that doesn't detract from the fact that he's not an amazing singer. Um, mm-hmm. and he did do some solo stuff too. So I mean, yep, I saw him I, when he was when he was doing mm-hmm. his solo stuff. I saw him at three twenty eight. Um, so oh, that's I, awesome. So I, I wish get, I had. Yeah. Yeah, I did get to see him uh, at, um, at that time. Yeah, I, I don't know if anybody listening doesn't know that, but he did pass away uh, way, way mm-hmm. too young. Um, that was like in the last, like, it was in like the last 10 years, wasn't it? Like, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was yeah, in the yeah. last five years, in fact. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, so I really dig it. I, his voice is amazing. It's perfect for the song. Um, and yeah, it's just, there is something about it. It, it builds up to the right. Cushion. And you have that awesome title sequence and uh mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff so all right, all right 2017 we'll actually uh as of this recording almost six years oh so. wow mm-hmm. damn uh but but that's like you know that whole like crew like around that time like it just seems like there's so few people like eddie vetter's still here um mm-hmm. but you know wyland and cobain and cornell yep. and uh the uh i can't think of his name but the lane uh, staling well, State Lane Staley, yeah. Uh, uh, the what was the the Bumblebee video? What was that band? Oh, the uh, uh, it was what's his, his Moon was his last. Yeah, name. Moon. Yeah, that guy. Uh, um, God, what was his all boy? I can take? Yeah, it was a Blind Melon singer. Blind Melon, yes. Uh, a Shannon Noon. Shannon Noon. I yeah. said Moon. It's Shannon Noon. Yeah. No, no, you're close. And uh, you know, so it's just I don't know. It's just really sad. Like all these singers from when we were like really hitting our like musical uh, growth. Uh, period, I guess. Uh, was it Shannon Hoon? Shannon Hoon. Shannon Hoon. Shannon, yes, that Shannon is correct. Hoon. We 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 have rhymed everything with noon and moon. <laughs> Shannon Loon. 
Shannon uh, Hoon, yeah, was the other Shannon one. Shannon Hoon, uh, great singer yeah. too. Had a really, really unique voice. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think amongst all those, I don't think he gets as much credit as he probably should. Uh, Wyland yeah. hit me the hardest though. I think. Well, Cobain hit me. That was pretty rough. Yeah. All right, so we actually are because we haven't done this for a minute because we haven't been watching movies that are based on books. But this is based on not only a book but the first book <laughs> that he and Fleming mm-hmm. wrote in, in the in the Bond franchise. Uh, Casino Royale. So we actually are going to go back, probably for the last time, at least through the Craig films, uh, to The Spy Who Reads Me. Reading is one of my very favorite things to do. Whoa! I'm not reading that crap. Summarize it in one word. Now you want to talk about reading? Let's talk about reading. How can you read this? There's no pictures. Cinema Sense might have taught you that the book doesn't matter, but for this segment, we're willing to concede at least kind of does. We're going to give you the nitty gritty on what is similar to what you saw on the screen, what is different. There will be plenty of what the hell was Ian Fleming smoking when he wrote this, like, uh, you know, the whole, like, ball torture thing. Um, yes. So I talked a little bit about this book in the, in, when we talked about Casino Royale in 1967. I didn't talk much about it because that movie really is v- very little to do other than it's in a casino setting. I think they maybe play cards. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't even remember if they do that. It's yeah, there is a card scene. Yes, there there is. Uh, so, but this this does follow it pretty cleanly as far as what happens. I think the most notable thing is characters change quite a bit. Um, but I will just kind of go through this. Uh, he does get his double O status that is mentioned at the beginning, but the two kills are different. Uh, there's, there's mm. they're separate places. And uh, one is like a Japanese cipher expert. That's the first one he kills. That's in New York. And then he goes to Stockholm and he kills a Norwegian double agent. Now that could, I mean, that guy that he kills the second kill uh, that could be similar to that because uh, mm-hmm. that dude was definitely an agent of some kind. Um, also, as people complained about the book's description of Bond looks absolutely nothing like Daniel Craig. But, you know, also the book's depiction of Bond has like a scar down his face and none of the Bonds had a scar. I mean, I don't, you know, yeah. why did anybody complain about that shit? Yeah. Uh, the Lachie stuff's pretty similar. Um he does lose all the money and he does set up a high stakes card game. It's of course, which we already mentioned this, it's Baccarat in the book because Texas Hold'em is just not something that they would have been writing mm-hmm. in a book in 1953. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it probably was, it was around. Uh, I think it was around, but yeah. yeah, it wasn't a big game. Yeah. Uh, it was like, you know, like, uh, yeah, it was, it was around, but yeah, it was not something people talked about. Not like they did in 2006. Uh, in the book, though, Lashif, he's basically just like an accountant, which he kind of is just an accountant here. Uh, but he feels like even lesser of a of a person in the book, as far as in the chain of the you know the Russian uh, organization, which is called Smirsh. Uh, and uh, so he's just kind of like a dirty accountant for them. Uh, whereas in the movie, he's more of like a world- worldwide money laundering for terrorists person. You know, he's good with mm-hmm. money, I guess. I still don't really completely get because like he goes and I guess they get, he goes to that, the jungle or whatever. And they're just like, here's the money we want you to take care of. Like, that's the place that you would handle. I don't know. It was just weird. Yeah. Um, he didn't strike me as someone who have to go on location like that, but I don't know. I guess it looks cooler. Uh, yeah. he loses the money in the book though. He's investing in a line of brothels because in the book he is really into sex, like really mm. into sex. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Um, and then of course in the movie, he's trying to manipulate the stock market, which I still have. I still, like, we've already mentioned that that's still very confusing in some ways. I don't, I don't know. Anyways. I mean, the, the whole idea in the movie is that there's an airline that 
is hot shit and he has put everything in that airline failing, basically mm-hmm. shorting, uh, just betting against it. And that that plane is supposed to blow up. Yeah. And so the stock is supposed to go down. And because he shorted it, he gets a huge windfall yeah. from that. But that's yeah, exactly. It's it's it is very confusing if you're not if you, especially if you're watching it the first time. Mm-hmm. You're like, huh? What? Oh, yeah, I How probably did didn't this, figure that what? out forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like my third viewing. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. makes more sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Lashif does try to have Bond killed in the book during the game, uh, but it's it's not the poison. He just has a guy try to shoot him, and Bond mm-hmm. gets out of it. Um. Bond and Leiter do meet each other in the book. Leiter's not actually playing in the game, though. He uh, he actually confronts Bond before the game uh, and just kind of talks to him some strategy and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So the main, the real huge, huge difference is Vesper. Obviously, because this is 1953 versus uh, 2006, which sadly is not that much of a difference in some areas. Mm-hmm. But... In the book, Vesper is legit just a secretary. It makes even less sense why she's there, why she's the one that they're having handled the money. And Bond even says like really shitty stuff to her. Like, I cannot believe they have a woman handling the money. Like now right. I gotta now I gotta try to protect you too. Fuck. You know, yeah, he's all pissed yeah. off. I mean, um, you know, other than the other than the uh the the misogynistic bullshit there, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what's really <laughs> fucked up is that so the ball scene the 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 torture ball scene or the whipping the balls i think it's like yeah. a different type of rope or something in the book but that is pretty much beat for beat like what happens in the book okay but what's interesting is bond has to go you know he has to go uh, uh rest and you know get better uh he chooses to sleep with vesper though in the book because he says something along the lines of she's not bad to look at and doesn't irritate me as much now is basically what he mm. says. And he also makes a point to note that he wants to make sure his testicles still work. Like he still, uh, or his dick still works, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, sure. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in the book, we didn't mention exactly what happens, but they did change the ending. Uh, the original script, they went more along with the ending in the book. Uh, uh, Vesper, we find out is a double agent. Um, and, uh, when she falls for bond she feels so bad about it she kills herself um mm. i'm pretty glad they didn't go that route i you you could make that ending work i think but yeah i think i what they did and i didn't talk about it too much because i wanted to talk about it here but what they did was campbell and maybe haggis had this idea too but campbell said the idea that he really liked when they changed it was that he's really fucking pissed at her. Like he hates her now because he thinks mm-hmm. she's trade treat, you know, been a traitor and all that stuff. But at the same time, he can't let her die. So he tries everything he can to save her. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk, talk about an unbelievable part. I, I don't know how bond still had oxygen. Uh, he was down there so long, but anyways, well, and also Mr. Like you remember the, the, I don't know if I missed a cut somewhere, but the, the case with the, uh, the money or the mm-hmm. password or whatever, mm-hmm. and it gets, get, get, gets sunken down into the water mm-hmm. but then we see mr white later mm-hmm. just holding it and i'm like yeah. where did you get that did you jump yeah. your ass down in the water and get that shit <laughs> I, yeah i have no idea he just, just magically has that fucking suitcase <laughs> at the end i don't understand that but i but i do uh, like but, but you're yeah go ahead 
you're talking uh, you, there's a the the whole thing with the with vesper at the end the, the line the bitch is dead is yeah. uh, i think is in the book um mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. uh yeah and and it's it's such a cold line we we understand why he says it uh at the end of this at the end of this movie but uh uh but uh uh i just i thought that was cool i thought that was you know cool that they left that in there at the end because it's oh, I think sort so of too. him yeah yeah sort of him like trying to put on a face that she didn't mean yeah. anything to him and you know obviously she did because she's gonna fucking like be the ghost oh, like God. i'm halfway surprised eva green's ghost doesn't show up <laughs> in the next two or three movies said. like all this stuff like it has i don't feel like we're i feel bad we're kind of talking ahead about some stuff but like i don't but like i said it's been a while since i've seen most of these so my you know my opinion could change in some areas but yeah like i said not casino royale's fault but you watch her die and everything and it is sad but then you think about like how she affects the rest of the of the series mm-hmm. going yeah. forward, and it's not it's not always great. So you know, yeah. But I but I like that change. I I like the reason behind the change that like that made him mm-hmm. you know him have a conflict where and then and then that does maybe that does turn him into like you know the cold hearted uh you know Bondy is although he never really completely becomes like that vicious in, nah. in Craig's films. Uh, no. because I mean, Eva Green's not the only woman that, you know, pops mm-hmm. up. So, yep. <sighs> but anyways, so yeah, that's, um, that's really all there was. I just wanted to, I thought there was enough there to talk about, especially like the, the Eva Green character, the fact that he wants to make sure his dick still works. I, I almost kind of yeah. wanted them to keep that in the movie just cause I wanted to yeah, see yeah, how that yeah. played out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, do you mind coming over here and making sure that <laughs> just wanted to see if my dick works? <laughs> All right. Thank you for uh, joining us this week. That was probably a little longer than it usually is, but you know, we had a lot of the, the first ones in these series seem to always take a little more time. Cause we got to talk about what they did beforehand uh, in the, or in the meantime between these films. But uh, we hope you'll join us again next week when we will talk about, I believe the shortest bond film, I think still running hmm. time wise quantum really? of solace. It's under two solace. hours. I know that solace. God, I always do that too. <laughs> um yeah i thought uh, for some reason and i think it uh, i don't i don't want to give away what i feel about this movie but um (laughs) i don't remember anything about it i guess i I guess i already have um but uh i i i thought it was just as long as this as casino (laughs) royale that's funny it's an hour and 46 minutes yeah yeah so (laughs) the only thing i remember is the oil I, i remember the thing about the the, the container of yeah. oil. I don't why well, I remember yeah. that, but I guess I'll find mm-hmm. out next week. Also, before we go, we have social media. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, we are at goldspy 7 uh, You can also reach out to me directly on Twitter. I am at SamLoomis13. You can email us at golddiamonddeath007 at gmail.com. Uh, and if you like this podcast and other things under the CinemaSense brand, we also have a Patreon you can join at patreon.com slash CinemaSense. And if you have a second to leave us a five-star review at your podcast listening app of choice, we would appreciate it. Until then, uh, keep the martinis dry and shaken, the Baccarat shoe moving, and the Aston Martin fully gassed. This is Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins signing off, and we will see you next mission where I will mispronounce Solace many, many times. Mm, and it'll be mm, fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God.